I would like to open the episode by thanking some people, people like Jamie Shermer, Pitch Drop, Johannes D, R, and Aaron A. Aronson. All of these are people who have gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and kicked us some money and helped us fund the shows and uh, the network as an extension of that. Uh, so you can go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv as well. Uh, and thank you. Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are talking about Inscription, which is a card game developed by Daniel Mullins Games and published by Devolver Digital in 2021. Yeah, and this is a, a patron produced episode. So thank you, Matt. Thank you. We appreciate Matt. you, Matt. Yeah. Uh, I was looking for an excuse to play this. So was I. And I love when I get a, a just a, a straight up home run like that. Like just like, oh, I want to play <laughs> this. And here it is for the show and I'll get a chance to talk about it. This is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Everything lines up. No, I, uh, yeah. I, I, I streamed a couple of sessions of this, uh, you know, back when I just did, just, you know, made sense to do a couple because it's a weird one to stream. Um, and I was super hungry for more. And I figured knowing what kind of game it was, it was likely to pop up here. Yeah, you know, and uh, this game got all kinds of Game of the Year buzz mm-hmm. from last year. Like this is this is a very uh, critically lauded, yeah, game. So even if it wasn't uh, up our respective alleys in in different ways, it's something that probably would have landed on the show at some point, just because it's uh, yeah. an interesting game that got a lot of buzz around it. <laughs> yeah, it's critically lauded, and people are real excited for this episode to come out. Uh, and that means get ready to get yelled at. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't know what will happen. The the scuttlebutt in terms of like talking to people has been all over the place. Yeah, weirdly, you know, a lot of my video game chat happens on the Slack. Uh-huh. Obviously, uh, the Slack is kind of a hotbed for inscription haters. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of people in the Slack really don't like this game. I don't. I mean. And, I... <laughs> So I say that mostly as a joke and to be a parody of ourselves. I don't, you know, I I, I like this game. I think that there are some super high highs in this. I think it fills an incredibly interesting niche. It's just, uh, Mm -hmm. it's real inconsistent, you know? (laughs) It's something where it's a rare game for me where everything about this should be like 1000% up my alley. Mm -hmm. And it ends up just being up my alley, you know? So it ends up being, uh, and it's also a game that falls in the category for me of games that get worse the more I think about them. Yes. Which for me is, tends to be kind of a damning spot. Like I really like this game. I had a lot of fun with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the, I'm, we're recording this. It's, you know, a month after I beat it Mm -hmm. 
or so. Uh, some of the shine has come off the apple a little bit the more I think about it. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's not a great great space to be in. I still think this is really good and it's easy recommendation. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I like this a lot. Yeah. Um, it just didn't, I, having played it, I was a little surprised by the game of the year kind so, of buzz around it. So I think that there are two marks against it. One that specifically applies to you, but an, another that I think applies to, you know, to, to kind of to both of us. So the mm-hmm. mark that applies specifically for you and a little bit for me is uh, you're crazy into deck builders. Like, oh, yeah. you know, like that's hugely your deal. And, you know, I found ones that I like monster train rules and stuff like that. But this feels like a game that is kind of meant for somebody who, you know, is kind of like making an intro into deck building kind of stuff. You know, like this particular mm-hmm. magic style game, the fact that it's not endless, the fact that it has a complete arc and, it, you know, is kind of like hand holding you through a bunch of like, here are some mechanics that can be used. If you if you've played another you know, slay the spire or monster train or insert game here. I think that, I think that this might actually end up coming up short for you because you've seen a lot of this and it's not deep enough for what you want. Second, both of us have played pony Island. And though Daniel Mullins is very good at this trick, uh, the trick that is here, we've both seen and kind of knew what to expect going in. (laughs) It's, it's also the articulation on the Daniel Mullins trick. Mm Mm-hmm. That's in this, I think, is particularly powerful week. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll we'll talk about it, but the ARG stuff that happens in this is some of the stupidest <laughs> plot stuff in games that I've uh seen or experienced. <laughs> um yeah, we'll get it. and and you know, that lack of lack of depth depth that it has in terms of being a deck builder is all fine because mm-hmm. it's kind of a gestalt product, yeah. but that also can limit how like a depth of love. I find Mm -hmm. like uh, it's it's not just the deck builder. It's all of these presentational things and stuff that are genuinely really additive. Yes. But it it doesn't you know, it's 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 like an, uh, you know, fuck, marry, kill kind of thing. Like this is a a great thing to to fuck and like not such a good thing to marry. Mm -hmm. I don't want to kill it. it, it, Yeah, I don't and I don't want to kill it. You know, even though that's part of the theme, like it, it's just it's 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 a it's like a, a beautiful little one night stand of a game that, uh, you know, holds on for a little while and kind of ends up by by function of trying to do a lot of different things. Doesn't do any of them excellently, mm-hmm. which which isn't the same thing as not doing them, you know, not being worth doing. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I I like things that are good. <laughs> you know, without being great or being the best. Mm-hmm. I think that there's so much room in this world for good. Yeah. The, the uh, th- and this, this is good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, we're going to spoil all that. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. That we, we <laughs> talked about. Um, and I genuinely think that like probably less so than a pony Island, mm-hmm. uh, but still to a degree, you don't want to know that stuff when you play. Yeah. Um, so we're in the beginning, we're going to talk about mechanics and that's pretty safe, but I don't want to, you know, have to hold my tongue too much about stuff that gets revealed. So just consider this to be a spoiler warning. Yeah. And I want this to be a thing where, uh, you know, in terms of just recommendations, like I do think this is 100% worth playing. Mm-hmm. Um, you should play this video game. Yeah. It is a good video game. We're going to have some faint praise that we're going to give it for some things, uh, but that is not is not the same thing as not worth your time. Yes. So, 
to get ready to get yelled at. <laughs> yeah. So somebody's going to be mad about that. But other people, again, like I was, mm-hmm. very, you know, our most dedicated fans really hate this game. They're going to think that we're being too soft on it. So it's it's kind of weird. It yeah, is a yeah. it is a polarizing thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about the broad generalities uh, here at the start. I mean, not so much to avoid spoilers, but because so much changes, you know, and like it doesn't make sense to do like generalities for the first act, then for the second, then for the third. You know, we're going to hit the stuff yeah. that's common at the start, and then we're going to talk about the way that they elaborate once we get to those once we get to those big changes. Right. Yes. Uh, the opening act and kind of the presentation of this and the game where it's at strongest um, is a, a horror themed uh, roguelike deck builder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, roguelike, you're making runs, you have no permanent or you have permanent progress, but not, you know, when you die, you die. Yeah. Um, where you, but the difference is you're actually playing the game. You're playing a character who was playing the game on a table mm-hmm. uh, in a creepy cavern um, trapped by a jigsaw-esque fella mm-hmm. <laughs> um, who is kind of acting as your opponent and dungeon master setting the scene, mm-hmm. uh, but also uh, has chained you up and is keeping you captive. Yes. Yeah. I like how you said cavern there. Uh, which I like mm. as a as a cabin slash cavern. It's it's a cabin. It's a cabin in the woods. Yeah, yeah. It it is indeed a cabin in the woods <laughs> with cavern like qualities. Oh yes, it is, it is very yeah. empty. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. The, the this guy here, uh, you know, seems very very aware that he's in a video game. You know, we're um like six or seven different levels of meta here. Um, uh, uh, in a lot of ways, like even at this point, when it, when it's first presenting itself to you, it feels like, like somebody describing a, it feels like a game that is a creepy pasta, you know, like I found this creepy game that, you know, was talking to me and stuff. What doubles down on that oh, yeah. immediately. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, initially I could see it just being, this is the twist. Mm-hmm. Like I'm actually playing the game. Uh, then it becomes explicitly that. And then it goes off in some dumbass directions. Yeah. It's hat yeah. on a hat. To the point of yeah. Patras. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you imagine, you know, any number of uh, creepy pastas where it's like, here's a copy of Majora's Mask, but evil. Mm-hmm. You know, this is an evil video game <laughs> is the idea. This is twisted. I'm going to throw this into Joe Lieberman's lap. Yep. And watch that old fuck have a heart attack. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. I'm just going to just going to shit out some legislation. Welcome yeah, back. It's, two, it's 2003, baby. <laughs> yeah. Here's some hot coffee for you, Tipper Gore. Splash. <laughs> uh, so the core of this, uh, the game, uh, and in all of the different iterations that you get inside of it, is this um, card battling system. It's real similar to Magic the Gathering, Slay the Spire, you know, Hearthstone, any of these where you have a card that has attack and health um, and some special abilities thrown in. Yes. Uh, you have a grid, a very specific uh, four by four grid um, that you face each other. Eventually, they add an extra lane to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of have uh, your your defensive zone, mm-hmm. you know, where where uh, enemies are at and the, your opponent does as well. And then they move towards you Yeah, uh, here. So there's a limited space. There's some tactical positioning stuff uh, that happens here, but it's a very limited space. Mm-hmm. Um, you pay a cost for it. Um, and the cost, uh, instead of being mana or what have you, for the most part, it is blood. Yeah. Um, and that means, uh, you know, this started as a prototype game called Sacrifices Will Be Made. Um, 
you sacrifice creatures you have in play to bring in other bigger creatures. That is the core mechanic fact one. Uh, this game kind of does like a witness Uzumaki thing where it does like, let's try all different variations of this. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of different kind of cost and mechanics that we will play with throughout the course of this game. The basic one is sacrificing a creature to get its blood, to get out another creature or multiple creatures. Yeah. I'm happy that you made the witness comparison because I also thought that uh, when I got to certain parts of this, you know, just in trying to figure out how stuff worked together, you know, how many Um, different articulations can we do on this one idea? Yes. Yeah. Um, So you will see any cards that uh, your opponent is about to play uh, kind of in their second row. Um, and, uh, you can plan an advance for that, uh, which will, uh, which will help you out. Uh, so like we said, creatures have attack value, health value, and then these sigils, uh, once you place all of your cards, you know, when you're done, uh, kind of arranging things, you ring a little bell, uh, and then, uh, you go into the attack phase and each card performs its action, uh, from left to right. Understanding this is actually really important, uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, on, on the the margin of where of where and when things activate becomes super uh, a super big deal uh, to some more advanced strategies that you find here. Uh, usually, they're going to attack whatever's right in front of them. Um, uh, that changes depending on sigils and such. Uh, but they will attack subtract the attack value from the opposing uh, from the opponent card's health value. Yes. Uh, Unlike magic, uh, damage is permanent, Mm -hmm. so they don't refill health between turns. Mm -hmm. If you overkill, uh, just putting this in magic term, every every monster has trample in this, is Mm -hmm. what you'd call that, magic. Um, The overflow will damage will either go on to the creature behind it or your opponent. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll talk about uh, your your opponent's life total in a moment um, here. Uh, this is a scale. So another innovation of this is that instead of it being, you know, you have five life points and you have to drain them down to zero, you have a scale. Uh, when you do a, a point of damage to your opponent, you effectively get a point of health. Yes. Um, you know, the swing ends up needing to be 10 between them, your opponent being at zero and you being at 10, Mm -hmm. uh, for this to, to work. Um, so this means there's kind of a tug of war. Yeah. Uh, back and forth between this. And this is great. Yeah. Uh, this in terms of like uh, card game innovations mm-hmm. uh, that come through, I think this is really smart and awesome. Yeah. I would like to see uh, this applied elsewhere uh, because yeah. uh, I, I mean, my my inclination when I play a game, unless I, uh, you know, feel super secure is to be or a card game specifically is to be super conservative. You know, Mm -hmm. this makes, you know, hyper aggression into its own kind of defense. Uh, It feels a little bit like Bloodborne in that way, (laughs) weirdly. Yeah, there's a little bit of that to it. It also, you end up doing, um, you know, you might do a sacrifice play. Like, it's not optimal to bring out this creature now, but this Mm -hmm. creature can attack for three. And then they can only hit me for two. So if I do this, I get to live another round. Yeah. Um, you know, it really, it really changes and broadens the strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really good, uh, as a system. There's also a thing, uh, you overkill the way that you get currency. This is by overkilling, uh, your opponent. So there are times where it might be to your advantage to stall, mm-hmm. um, a match to really, really slam your opponent down to get more resources, which then plays into the broader run, mm-hmm. you know, outside of that battle, all this stuff works together pretty well. Yes. Um, you know, that is very neat, and so much so we'll talk about the mod and everything, <laughs> but that that is largely present here in this first act, and it's a pretty complete game. Yeah. 
Um, and that, you know, I think the, the way things work together, cha- you know, changes and gets less successful in the following acts, uh, yeah. is, is, yeah. is, is it's, kind it's, of the thing. There are, there are, we have rarely done a game that puts its best foot forward as much as this one does. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard for me to think of, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, Indigo Prophecy. A, yeah. Indigo <laughs> Prophecy is one, like there, there are a few, but there aren't uh-huh. that many, yeah. you know, like. Uh, and even, you know, you could, you could make the argument like, oh, like Undead Burg is the height of Dark Souls and stuff hmm. in, in terms of imbalance, yeah. this is pretty bonkers and, and the developers know it, yeah. you know, uh, they released a, a standalone version of act one, uh, because I think that they, they got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people let them know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so playing into that overkill thing is the fact that enemies will concede. Um, you know, uh, an encounter can be conceded and you can say no, thank you. And then smash them, uh, and get, uh, and get even more, even more money. What's uh, kind of awesome too, is, is the fact that this is a, a character you're playing against. And that's underlined by the fact that sometimes they will concede falsely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not just playing against the perfect AI. Um, you can choose not to concede and they can still win. Yeah. Um, they, they will make mistakes in this regard, which uh, once I found that out, that was awesome. I was like, oh mm-hmm. man. That does a lot to to personify this. Yeah, give me a game where characters lie to me, and give me a game where characters can make mistakes. <laughs> the, the the computer, your opponent making mistakes that are not obvious, is one of the best things that can happen in video games. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um. So one of the biggest things in deciding what what you want to play isn't just attack and defense. These sigils are a really big deal. Um. And boy, are there so many of these! It is kind of ridiculous. I started like listing some important ones. And then it just kind of became like, oh, this is like a laundry list. Like you, you could go to a wiki uh, and, uh, yeah. and and see this here. Uh, There's special abilities. Yeah. Like to, to translate this for Magic the Gathering Americans, this, these are keywords. It's like flying, trample, yeah. first strike, mm-hmm. things like that. And although like those things are included, there is flying, mm-hmm. you know, um, there is uh, like double hit, uh, you know, things that can change. Like uh, a unit will move after its attack. A unit will... Uh, you know, duck down so it can't be hit mm-hmm. on your turn, so it can't defend, but that means it can't die. Yeah. Um, all kinds of stuff. A unit will cause you to draw certain cards when you play it, uh, when it dies, things like that. There are a lot of these, and manipulating these is how you break the game. And one of the things I really admire about this game, uh, which we'll talk about, uh, is that it encourages that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you inevitably, if you start playing break, uh, Slay the Spire or Monster Train, you your arc if you play that long enough will be towards learning to break the game yep uh this game explicitly and part of the narrative encourages and you to do that and gives you the pathway to do it yeah almost you know when you talked about this as being like almost an entry point for deck builders it's kind of a good one because it teaches you how to think precisely i wanted to make that point as a wrap-up on this but the fact that it um kind of like so directly guides you to that uh, is yes. a great way. It's a shortcut to that wonderful feeling, right? To me, that is my favorite part of playing, you know, a lot of games, right? But specifically, like when I've enjoyed a deck builder, it's, be, you know, it's when I have found these you know, kind of almost degenerate synergies, you know, like, oh, yeah, yes. the, like this is this basically can't lose. Right. And I and I got here by preparation and just by understanding the rules, this will guide you to things that are incredibly broken that might make this a little bit unsatisfying if you jump to it immediately. Like maybe you want a little bit more of a struggle before you get there. But as a way for somebody who might be intimidated by an endless roguelike 
um, deck builder, uh, this is fantastic because it is a shortcut saying, here, this is the, you know, I'm going to lead you to this amazing feeling. I'm going to make you feel it. Uh, and you can decide if that's something that you want to seek out. And now you know kind of what to look for mechanically and other stuff. That's super valuable. Well, it's it's because it's not an endless deck builder. Like yep. if they didn't do that, you would never move on through the narrative. Yeah. Like it, it's part of the the conflict of this game mm-hmm. and the dissonance of it being a lot of different things. Like I love it. Like I think it's a really cool idea. There's a reason why that doesn't happen in Monster Train. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it is something where it is you're very unlikely to stumble upon it until the game gives it to you. Yes. Um, you know, it, the, the possibility space opens up as you play to make mm-hmm. that more likely. Yeah. Um, and that, that is the, it's the intended path. Like you feel like you're breaking out of uh, <laughs> a closed system, but you're doing exactly what the, you know, what is actually ultimately like a pretty linear video mm-hmm. game. You're just going to the next level, Yeah. you know, just as guided by the DM as you would be in any other video game. Yeah. Which means if, you know, again, if you're intimidated, if you're put off by the kind of running in place feeling that could be present in a roguelike, if you're motivated by mysteries being solved and story being unfurled to you, you know, et cetera, then that is here to pull you forward directly into that feeling of finding those exploits. I think that is really good. Yes. A, a great decision. Um, each of these different modes, each of these acts gives you different ways that you can kind of design uh, your deck, but deck builder rules are uh, in in play here. The game actually just tells you this, you know, removing a bad card from your deck is better than adding a random card to your deck. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want to control the possibility space. This is the, the core mechanic of deck builders. Um, so you're not drawing crap. Yes. Uh, another innovation this has over other deck builders uh, is you have a side deck that draws um, a kind of fodder. Um, you know, this would be like a land deck in Magic. I keep making Magic comparisons because no, no, that's that game's been around forever, and so many people have played it, and that's a reference point for so many things. Yeah. Well, and even like you didn't play Magic, but you know what? I, do you know what I mean by a land? Right. Yeah. 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 Like it's it's the kind of thing that powers your your spells. Mm-hmm. Gives you mana. Um, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, or, or Pokemon mana. Right. Mm-hmm. Just imagine you have a separate deck for your mana or your yeah. power energy. Uh, yes. Energy. Yeah. Energy is what they call it. Um, so in, in act one, you have a deck full of squirrels. Um, this guy can be a chump blocker or it can just be a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you draw one card per turn. You draw, you choose whether you draw your fodder or from your main deck. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I like that, you know, like learning, mm-hmm. <laughs> learning that it was advantageous, you know, to get a few of these, especially when you see the relative, um, depth of the different piles, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you yeah. can kind of see like, oh, my, you know, I've only got like three or four different, uh, you know, different actual creature cards that I can pull from this. Like, you know, I don't need to just, just like keep drawing in the hopes that I'll get something good. I need to put myself in a position. So when I draw that thing, I can use it right away as opposed to drawing it and then needing to get in position to play it afterwards. Right. Yeah. You don't want to have dead turns. No. Like uh, that's a, that's a way to lose. Mm-hmm. In this. Yeah. Um, you also have another kind of innovation and leg up that you mm-hmm. get in this are Mario Kart esque power ups and consumables. Yeah, that you can get. Uh, you have you can get hold three of these at a time. There's a nice wide variety mm-hmm. of these, and they get replenished. Um, either you find items or uh, they refill like Estus uh, mm-hmm. in one of the acts. Um, these are great, and yep. this is another way that the game is tipping you towards winning. Yes. Uh, sometimes literally Um, (laughs) yeah yeah exactly like sometimes it literally and the the flavor of those is great love that 
when when you do those those things to actually put something on the scale uh there yeah yeah um another innovation in this game so again you're not playing you know you're the player playing the, the card game on the screen you're playing a character on the screen playing the card game mm-hmm. which means your intermediary character can get up and move around and walk around this cavern or mm-hmm. this cabin <laughs> I don't, damn fine. you for incepting sorry no my you did. <laughs> And I recognize I said it. I just can't <laughs> the blade thing would have been not to draw attention to it. Oh, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So this is uh, you getting up, you getting the narrative, and kind of doing a mild like escape room puzzle type type stuff mm-hmm. uh, in here to unlock things that are in the game. And the the beauty of this is that the, the way these two things interact. Yeah. Um, everything in the cabin that you go around to this escape room stuff for interacts with the card game you're mm-hmm. unlocking new cards that you can get you're unlocking uh new totems or new items things like that yeah uh and sometimes you get a card that when you play it it will affect something in the actual world itself so kind yes. of the main example would be you know one that you run into early on is you'll find a card called the caged wolf uh when you play it uh there is a diorama of a uh, <laughs> of a uh, wolf kind of like statuette inside of a little cage the cage around that will break when you play it and that card dies. Right. So then you can take that and use it as a, uh, use it as an input for a different puzzle. Right. Yeah. Like that, that is so cool. Yeah. You know, the, the idea that these things on the table and it ties into the grander themes of mm-hmm. the game, right? Like the idea that these, these cards have a totemic battle or value to things that exist in the real world yeah. uh, is very much of the themes of this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, really neat. Yeah, uh, like that stuff. And that ties into the aesthetics. And again, you know, we gave that warning before. Here's another one for you. Can't talk about aesthetics without talking about the story. Uh, and mm-hmm. at least in the broad strokes. And so three, two, one. Um, here we go. Uh, all of the three acts have different styles. <laughs> um, and they all look pretty good, you know. Uh, the mm-hmm. first act is really the star in more ways than one, not just mechanically, but also uh, just as the most explicitly horror themes. You know, I think that that works for us, you know, because we like horror stuff, but also it is kind of the most co- coherent and cohesive. The atmosphere is like super thick and it sells the, you know, sacrifice mechanics. Well, you know, the aesthetic and the mechanics are really, really tied into each other in a good way when you're in the cabin. Yeah. When we say horror, it should be noted that this is like lowercase h h yes. horror. Like I can I cannot really imagine finding this game scary. Mm-hmm. It it's like goofy horror. Yeah. Like your your uh your opponent when you finally see his face uh looks like a big silly muppet. <laughs> you know, like kind of scary muppet. Uh-huh. But you know, I this is the kind of thing that I would go to the uh TV tropes nightmare fuel to annoy myself. <laughs> Because everyone just like, you know, oh man, when, when, you know, you put, just grab an eye and put it into your own brain, that's 100% high octane nightmare fuel, <laughs> you know, and stuff. And like it, the presentation doesn't read that way Yeah, to me. There's, there's atmosphere and it's a little, it's spooky, but it's, it's kind of like fun spooky. Yeah. Like it, it's like a simmer of unsettling a little bit, you know, and, you know, again, like the plane of those mechanics, when we talk about tipping the scales, like one of the items is a set of pliers where your character takes out one of his teeth and then puts it on the scale. You know, yeah. and yep. it's so... really great. Like the, yeah. the, the, the presentation of that is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with the thing, the knife you can use to pry, pry out your eye, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like it just, it's very, uh, 
bio horror. Like it's not bloody or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just like like a fun kind of macabre. Yeah, a- auto dental torture is a pretty you know. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's it's a pretty evocative yeah. thing. Yeah, been rewatching the Jackass films and and where uh, Aaron Danger and has his tooth pulled out by the Lamborghini. <laughs> and it, it just makes that like it makes that noise. <laughs> it happens. And just, oh my goodness! <laughs> Yeesh. Woof. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, the second act, uh, is I think aesthetically pretty cool, uh, turns into like mm-hmm. a 16 bit kind of Game Boy Color style, uh, presentation. Like this is the original game before the stuff inside it started modifying it, uh, feels like the Pokemon trading card game. Uh, and it's built up yes. with its own kind of style and lore and you have lands and things like that. Weirdly it reminds me kind of Magi, it reminds me of Magi Nation for the Game Boy Color. I don't, I don't know Magi Nation. Uh, it is a kind of like B tier also ran portable, um, ca- uh, card game. Like a, it's like a okay. boy, Pokemon cards are pretty fun. Let's make our own Pokemon kind of deal. The, um, what's happening here is they're doing different kinds of card games. Yes. So the, the first one is a deck builder, uh, that is very specifically a roguelike. Mm-hmm. This is a TTG. This is a trading card game, mm-hmm. uh, or TCG. Um, the idea here, you gathering, amassing a large amount of cards and building a deck Yes, for it. Uh, the, there's a distinction there. It's subtle, but there's a pretty intense distinction there. Um, I don't like act two. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really like the puzzles in it very much. And I, I am so in the pocket for the Pokemon trading card game. Yeah. Like I love the Pokemon trading card that, game. That is a perennial, I, gonna, we're going to do it on the show kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to just crash this recording so I can throw it on my wish list. Oh yeah. For for the show like i think that game is really good this isn't as fun as that mm-hmm. uh, and it begins with a choice that is actually really important in the beginning <laughs> that you have no context when you're making it yeah eternal darkness get uh, out of the way <laughs> yeah uh, it's a it's it's a real problem i think yeah it's kind of drag ass yeah you know uh it's it's a bummer the third act is um like a dark souls take yeah. on roguelike card game mechanics where you have bonfires essentially mm-hmm. uh, that refill your items and, and count as save places and you leave a fucking blood stain. Yep. Like you leave a, 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 a place with all your money when you die. Mm-hmm. Um, it is themed like a virtual reality kind of like technological mm-hmm. theme. The theme is, is less successful. Yeah. The mechanics I think in, in act three won me back a little bit. Like yeah. I think they're, they're not as good as act one, but I, th- I think that's, it's more fun than act two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you explore, like it's about exploring. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, again, using every part of the the thing. It's like a so a, a entirely different take on a a deck builder. Yeah. Of sorts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the the third act did win me back a little bit just because things that seemed really separate in the second act started coming together. You know, like in the second mm-hmm. act, you are playing like a type of uh, of deck. You know, maybe you're doing like a little bit of mixing and matching. In the third one, it forces you to really engage with uh, some mechanics that you, uh, you know, may have kind of ignored or brushed aside or only fought against and not really used uh, kind of in the second yeah. You know, so it kind the, of... the third one takes all of them and puts them together. Yes. Like, what if you 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 were playing Yu-Gi-Oh cards in Magic? Mm-hmm. You know, basically, like, and all <laughs> of these different systems do work together. It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. It's not super elegant, but you can kind of have all of these different uh, monotypes and card styles working all at once. Yeah. Um, ends up being like really chaotic and complicated uh, once you get it all going. Yeah. Um, in a in a pretty cool way. Yeah, I think. 
Agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. We should talk about the framing device. You know, you're in the game and you are kind of navigating this power struggle between these sentient, sentient characters. But as we've said, you are playing a character who is playing this game. Uh, you're playing a, a vlogger. His name is Luke Carter, a.k.a. The Lucky Carter. Uh, he mm-hmm. has a YouTube show about opening packs of trading cards, uh, you know, just kind of like you know, he's, he's, he's making haul videos. Right. Uh, yep. and, and he ends up finding a copy of this game. Uh, you know, it's a game based on you know, a video game version of an old card game that everybody forgot about. Nobody, you know, like this game doesn't technically exist. Like you can't find any records of it, you know, and yeah. what we are but, seeing. Oh, good. Yeah, or just uh, imagine, like, again, for Magic Americans, if you grew up during the 90s, during the uh, trading card game boom, uh, imagine, like, Blood Wars, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, or uh, you know, the, the, the Vampire the Masquerade uh, card game back in the 90s it was called Jihad. Oh, God, no. That's sensitive, right? Nice and, and warm and sensitive. <laughs> like, <laughs> just really ridiculous. But, yeah. you know, it, it's an also ran from that zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, which is really this, all that stuff is very well observed. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, like this is FMV, like the the actual game, you know, footage, the idea is like how we're, we're like looking at a recording of him, uh, of, of him playing this game. You know, sometimes you like hear the character like interject, you know, uh, mm-hmm. something like, oh, what the fuck or, you know, whatever. Uh, but then there's like FMV, like you're looking through uh, the files on his uh, on his camcorder. Uh, and it's him documenting it, kind of you know, finding this game and then also trying to, like, figure out what's up with it. Uh, these start out, like, pretty fun, you know? Like, it's a fun send-up mm-hmm. of vlogging kind of stuff. It falls apart for me when it becomes a conspiracy. And then some of the stuff that I've learned about the ARG is just j- just real well, facepalm kind of we're stuff. We're going to dine on the ARG. <laughs> like, when you start talking about I mean, that that's, you know, uh, Last Express level nonsense. Um <laughs> These were a bummer to me, even though initially I really liked them. Uh, and they're, they're twin bummers to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, bummer the first is there are ones that have obvious clues and stuff in them. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there'll be like a little freeze frame. So I would go through and I would like freeze frame it and then write down this clue. Mm-hmm. Thinking it would be either necessary to progress in the game or at least would unlock something cool in the game. Yeah. Uh, in fact, these unlock backstory that is related to the ARG. Two minds of that, like I respect that they're not making me engage mm-hmm. with with that stuff. Like uh, somebody in the Slack, I can't remember who, but like you know, it's very funny to me when they were complaining about meta games. Like, oh, I'm going to make you edit an INI file. Eh, <laughs> eh. Um, that to me is kind of obnoxious. Like I'm a little bit over that trick. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, this game doesn't do that. It, it takes all of that stuff and puts it in the ARG and mm-hmm. the backstory. Yeah. Uh, so I respect that it doesn't make me do that, but it's still going to make me feel a little like a waste of my time hunting that stuff down. Mm-hmm. The other thing is this uh, initially gave me Marble Hornets uh, vibes. Yeah. I'm, you know, I understand that hasn't aged super well. Like we're recording this in 2022. Ten years ago, when I mm-hmm. first got into Marble Hornets, it was the scariest, coolest thing. Yep. Uh, you know, a decade ago. Everybody I still loved have it. a lot of affection for that. Mm-hmm. What was that cool? Sorry. No, I said everybody loved it. Yeah. Don't pretend yeah, you did. It's good. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, it's super good. Like it's really creepy. And <laughs> what ends up, there's no payoff for it. Yeah. Uh, the, the conspiracy stuff, the end of the FMV plot is so amateurish and dumb. It's, it's the original ending to Clark's. It, it is the, yes, that is, that is exactly <laughs> what it is. Uh, 
it feels like a, a student film yeah uh to me like it is and i like things that are quaint and amateurish mm -hmm. but it's not something i associate with this dude's steez and how he does horror yeah i was you know there's more to it it's not just you know the company is covering up a conspiracy and they go and they shoot him in the head it's not just that mm -hmm. but that moment is profoundly disappointing yeah uh, yeah you know and kind of badly acted everyone's mm -hmm. too young yeah. You know, like it has that student, the, the, the lady who comes and shoots him is too young to have the position she has and is obviously <laughs> just a, like a buddy. Like yeah. the, the acting is not good. Yes. Um, yeah. It just reads is really, uh, disappointing and the supernatural stuff, like all the static, all these things that uh, you know, I've been trained to be scared of because of Marvel Hornets <sighs> just doesn't come home to roost. Yeah. You know, you know? The, the the actual like description of what's uh, of what's happening kind of below the surface here, I think, like weirdly would have been better and less grown worthy if they surfaced that instead of the conspiracy. You know, just do you know, do, do yes. a pon Pony Island game. Games possessed. And, you know, that's creepy. Yeah. You know, and that's <laughs> happening here. Mm -hmm. But bringing in the real world means you have to bring in actors and yeah. you have to bring in performances. And it's just not good enough yeah. to sell. Mm hmm. I, I almost wish that like, you know, good, good, for, good for them for taking a swing and actually having like maybe the, the, the budget to do something like that, you know, like mm -hmm. probably exciting to put together and, you know, FMV works for different people, et cetera, et cetera. I almost wish that this was like, you know, it take me, it took me to like a file interface where I would read like emails or text files or like there was like a hypnospace, like web browser kind of thing. You know, where yeah. I was like pulling up, you know, pull, pulling up, like writing about the uh, about the search for this game as opposed to getting getting the video. Right. Um, and you, you get stuff like that. Like that's part of what you're unlocking with ARG, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, those email logs and stuff like that. Like that is part of the grand package. Mm -hmm. It's just not uh, the creepypasta Marble Hornets video thing you're watching. Yeah. 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 Um, um, but yeah, the, the power struggle between the entity, like the, like the stuff that is in the game and is the game, I think is more interesting. Like the different approaches, the different characters, the, the, the scribes, right? Yeah. That, that's, that's cool. Even though it is on the verge of being a dead idea, a little bit. you know, the, the video game having come to life, there's a Satan inside the video game mm -hmm. is becoming enough of a trope that you need to do more with it. I think. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. uh, so if you don't know who Daniel, Daniel Mullins is, uh, Daniel Mullins has been making indie games for several years. Uh, his first major release is Pony Island, um, which we talked about on Check It Out Comrade way back in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, you and I are both fans of that game. It's good. Cool, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice short, like one sitting, uh, one sitting game. It's a fun, like uh, logic puzzle uh, kind of thing. Yeah. And it, and it uh, you know, it messes with your eye and eye. Right, yes. like you, it crashes you to desktop, and then there's a new file on your desktop. Mm -hmm. It's of the, you know, uh, don't, you know, be scared or I'm scared. Yeah, yeah, you know that that kind of thing. That is uh, the Undertale. I'm scared. I'm gonna mess with your eye and eye. Your 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 Doki Doki Undertale Scared Club, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, there's, there's a genre mm -hmm. for this. Yeah, um, and this, this, it's such a cilantro thing. I think. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's something where it's interesting because it, it's it's something that I think I was much more in the pocket for, <laughs> but I am very much starting to feel like I'm being shown the same magic trick. Yeah, over and over. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I was never going to be in the pocket for Doki Doki Literature Club because you play for two hours of a straight up romance mm-hmm. visual novel before it gets crazy. Yeah. But so I spoiled myself on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no shame. And I was like, oh, this would, this would just annoy me. Like, this is not impressive to me anymore because I have seen this. Yeah. Um, you know, it talking to the player, it doing all these things that are like stunts mm-hmm. are cool. I just don't have an unlimited appetite for them. Yeah. No. Which know, is, I need to be surprised for this to work. Yeah. And it needs to be, you know, there need there needs to be something else, you know, kind of yeah. on top of it, uh, which is which is the thing. Um, I'm real curious about uh, Mullins' follow-up to Pony Island called The Hex. Uh, I know mm-hmm. Jim Stormdancer has played and likes that. Um, I'm curious just because that also is like an exploration of a whole bunch of different genres uh, yeah. and, and gets meta in its own way and weirdly is connected to this. Um, yeah, there, there's a there's a whole universe. Like these are all part of the same mythos. Yes. Uh, I too have not played the Hex. I didn't even know the Hex was a thing. Mm-hmm. Like it was a, a marketing, you know, discoverability failure. Yeah. Because I would have been interested in a follow up yes. from the Pony Island guy. I just didn't know it existed. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, as you uh, said before, Inscription began life as a uh, jam game for Ludum Dare in 2018. Uh, sacrifices must be made. Pretty much the first act of the game uh, was kind of all present here, you know, which he decided mm-hmm. to make after getting into uh, Magic the Gathering again. Yeah. Yeah, which like as somebody who's recently gotten into Magic the Gathering again, been mm-hmm. playing Magic with Brayton and Riff. Ooh, neat. Uh, been real fun. You know, good-ass game. One of the best games of all time. Yep. Uh, it, it is an incredible video game that, or incredible game that has uh, a million reasons not to get into it. But it is really <laughs> high quality. Um, the uh, So we got back into Magic, uh, also a fan of the Pokemon trading card game. Um, Dark Souls, you know, which is, sees influence in Act Three, mm-hmm. and then meta games. So your Frog Fractions and Doki Doki Literature Club, which we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when this came out, there was some outcry that the entire game wasn't like Act One. Uh, that's what everyone saw. That's what the demo is. Um, that's what sacrifices must be made was, mm-hmm. and it's what it, the consensus is the strongest part of the the game. There are people who disagree with that, but yeah. uh, most people I talk to think Act One is the strongest part. Um. To address this, they put out something called Casey's Mod, um, which is a roguelike version of Act One. Um, I have put as much time into Casey's Mod as, <laughs> as the main game. I played a bunch of runs of Casey's Mod. It's real good. Um, it, they make really smart adjustments to make it uh, more challenging and work mm-hmm. in that that. Uh, kind of capacity and it is rife for expansion yeah um if he were to make different biomes and bosses and a lot more cards and stuff like you could straight up just sell that as its own product it would be really good yeah um, um and when you beat it uh you get story content mm-hmm. you get like the old emails and stuff from this character <laughs> casey called casey's mod for a reason casey being somebody who worked at the company yep. uh made the in-universe inscription uh you get lore snippets yeah. for playing it yeah i'm really curious uh, about it i wanted to try it but then you know time got away from me uh i just beat this one yesterday because i'm doing assignment mm-hmm. play in a weird order because of um a big game coming out yeah yeah that shall remain nameless. Mm. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. We're in factory five. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. man. Um, yeah. So I'm curious about that. I didn't uninstall inscription when I was done with it. Cause I'm going to give that a shot. Uh, you know, just seems, seems good. Sounds good it's to me. Cool. Yeah. 
Um, and then the story has kind of continued online uh, through Daniel Mullins' website and Discord. Uh, there's like a whole ARG where more where people are doing uh, doing puzzle solving to uh, to get more to get more story. It seems to be pointing towards whatever's coming next. Hitler's involved. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's its own thing. It, yeah, it's it's uh, the the evil computer Satan uh, has information on World War II, spooky supernatural Reich stuff, and <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to figure that stuff out myself. Like I, I will literally never see like a hexadecimal string and then translate it for a video game. Mm -hmm. You know, I just like I'm never going to learn a language in a video game. They're just things I just I don't have any interest in. Yeah, um, because there there are people online who will do that for me, <laughs> and. I went online and read everything that they had found out and it was like a drop my phone moment <laughs> of just like repulsion. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just like, this sucks so bad. This is so stupid. My, my <laughs> eyes rolled out of my head and under the dresser and yeah. it's still down there and it's really inconvenient. I can't find them because my eyes are out of my head. <laughs> it's, 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 ridiculous <laughs> and it doesn't mean that there can't be something cool in that and uh -huh. like i'm not even like supernatural third reich stuff hey i'm human get, get, you like, know you, get, get in front of the history channel on a thanksgiving day <laughs> let, let no. me let me read about those dipshits of the tula society you know <laughs> yeah i think that's all like pretty interesting yeah. you know but when you tie it into a magical evil card game that came out in the nineties that has become sentient. Yeah. It just becomes too much for me. It like bypasses my cool filters. Yeah. You know, like the fuse has been blown. Uh, it is no longer cool. It is just the <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Like, yeah. Um, unfortunate, quite unfortunate. Um, yeah. But if and you're, they, if you're just it, playing the game, you're not going to see that though. It, it, you don't, you don't have to care about it. You just yeah. read, you know, and again, I, I, I have two minds about it. Like I admire that the, it's siloed, mm -hmm. right? Like when it comes to those kind of little freeze frame hexadecimal things you have to put in, uh, it just does the ARG. It doesn't really affect the game. Mm -hmm. And I, and I like that because I yeah. don't want to have to do that to, to play the game and to get that story. At the same time, it just ends up feeling like it was not worth it. Yeah. Uh, to me, you know, the, the, the little tricks it does that are within the game, like it pulling up a file, Yeah, you know, or when it starts asking you to search your computer for files, that's going to turn into things. Mm -hmm. Um, that was enough for me. Yeah. It's not that impressive, but it's cute. And yeah, you know, that's fine. Mm -hmm. It feels, it feels transgressive and it's there for yeah. a moment and then it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. And then you play the video game. Mm -hmm. some more yeah you know I, I i recognize i am not somebody as driven by out of video game mysteries as as some people are but yeah different people uh, different appetites Let's do uh, yeah. act one where uh, we open up with a black screen. Uh, the game doesn't open to a menu. We uh, kind of hear a disc whirling up as we hear a voice saying, okay, time to see what's on this thing. Uh, and then we get the title screen. Uh, and importantly, there is no new game option. There is just continue. You are jumping into something that is already in progress. Yes. 
Um, when you do this, you start out sitting across the table from a figure. Uh, you can only see their eyes. You can't see like them in detail mm -hmm. at this point. They're going to play a card game with you. And we start off uh, in a tutorial zone called the woods, <laughs> um, teaching us about how card card costs uh, go. Yes. Um, the cards are all basic woodland beast. This ends up being expanded as well, mm -hmm. you know, later. But this is a classification of what we're we're dealing with here. Yeah. Um, the uh, as you're going through and sacrificing things, we're introduced to uh, the main character of the game, basically, mm -hmm. uh, the lowly stoat. Yep. Um, and the cool first cool little meta thing that happens is you sacrifice the stoat. It animates and it talks to you. Yep. Um, the cards, certain cards are people, and they will talk to you. Yeah. They will. Uh, uh, they, they, they will display text like in their name field, right? Yes. Uh, and the stoat says, hey, just play along for now. You know, I'm, I'm going to help you out. We're going to get you out of this. Yes. It's already a super cool hook. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I, I think that's great. I'm here, like, right away, first yeah. five minutes. Um, yep. well, the first time that you're about to lose, kind of as you're going along, uh, the adversary introduces the items. I'm calling him the adversary here, you know, because the name hasn't been uh, uh, revealed just yet. Mm -hmm. We can decide if we want to adhere to that or not. Uh, but uh, he gives you your first item. He gives you the pliers. And this is where you rip out your one of your own teeth. The sound design on this is amazing. Uh, Very good. <laughs> <laughs> to uh to kind of give yourself an extra an extra point of health uh which may be the difference between surviving uh or dying or living to fight another round yeah um you move up this path uh as the your adversary kind of narrates it like a, a game master like describes you know the crunch underfoot and stuff like that mm -hmm. and you pick branching paths to go to different nodes um their encounters similar to a monster train or slay the spire if yes. you've uh, seen that um, there are different kinds of encounter types you can have. Um, mm -hmm. you can get into a combat, like a basic combat. Yeah. Uh, these, you know, these all have icons. Um, there are card vendors. Uh, this is, they don't sell you things. Mm -hmm. Uh, they just give you cards. Right. Uh, here. Um, eventually you can pick, you choose between three and eventually you can reroll. Yeah. Those three, you get an item. Mm -hmm. allows you to do that yeah sometimes it'll say like hey do you want a reptile card do you want a uh, beast card do you want to you know etc you yeah. pick them by family or they'll do it by cost yes so they'll be like do you need something that costs you know a, a low blood card that you can get out early mm -hmm. or do you need a high blood powerful card that you can use as a win condition yeah what do yeah. you need for your deck mm -hmm. sometimes there are um little guessing games that you can do <laughs> Which is like, okay, you go to a cave and there will be a challenge. Like, okay, you, know, you pick the criteria. So the the total cost of the three cards that I draw needs to add up to more than six, right? Yeah. Uh, How know. well do you know your deck? You yes. can't look at your deck in those moments. Um, it's just what do you think you have a good chance of, of mm -hmm. getting? Yeah. Um, those reward cards as well. Uh, it is an advanced tactic to avoid those um, because you don't want to add cards to your deck. Correct. Once you have your win condition. Uh, if you're just playing for fun, you do want them because it's fun to play with cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there are uh, altars uh, that you can go to um, where you uh, sacrifice a card mm -hmm. to put it on another one. You can add the sigil from one card onto another. Mm -hmm. The uh, Here, this is very powerful. Um, this is a nod towards breaking the game because there are cards that just would straight up, uh, you know, shouldn't have that symbol. <laughs> nope. Like, you know, here's here's something that is undying that i can sacrifice as many times as i want but every time i play it i get a rabbit that can also sacrifice yeah so you know uh this is one of your first nods towards being able to break the game and get unlimited uh blood 
yeah. to play whatever you want. <laughs> I love unlimited blood. Uh, oh, man. Like they, I thought they closed down that Olive Garden. <laughs> um, oh, you mean the dark Olive yeah. Garden that I read about on yeah. 4chan? <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, the creepypasta Olive Garden. Yeah. Red sticks can't kill people. This one can. <laughs> <laughs> unlimited blood, skulls, and bone sticks. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I ate at a, an Olive Garden uh, for irony's sake. Uh, during the summer <laughs> when, uh, when it was when we'd re- reopened i was on a on a date and i was like hey do you want to go to that olive garden over there uh-huh. and we were just you know irony fucks going to olive garden okay fuck me if it wasn't real good i, I mean it's, uh, it's, it's like when we were uh, the first time we went to milwaukee and like we our hotel yes. was attached to an outback steakhouse and it's like and it owned <laughs> do, do, do you want to go to an outback steakhouse haha <laughs> <laughs> lol look at us it was just it was just a steak and you know potatoes and a salad yeah. and it was good <laughs> yeah it tasted good for food that came in a bag right it's like pretty good pretty good bag food yeah you know you know it, yeah. it, it would it, it wouldn't be your first choice but like it's not poison yeah <laughs> so, yeah like... it's 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 not quite a, i think the ultimate irony restaurant to go to is the sizzler <laughs> like that that is like if you can find a play where you're like elbow and your buddy's like hey man hey can i, I mean the can, sizzler? i mean this this the sizzler is it, it, that has the funny name but if you want the ultimate irony shoney's oh yeah well I, shoney's i think are regional i don't oh, know okay. where i don't yeah i know shonies but i I haven't seen shonies out here yeah um yeah no it just it did same i'll never i'll never go to a a, to to olive garden it's kind of like those chefs on cutthroat kitchen like microwave who would use them i've never used a microwave in my life then alan brown just (laughs) i'm so pissed Mm -hmm. um i I can't wait for things to reopen for us to go to conventions again because we can do a benihana once too Mm -hmm. like we're doing all that shit man i i we got to go back to irony restaurants when we're on tour (laughs) Uh, it's so fun oh man Uh, you want you feel like riding the ruby tuesday we we went to ruby tuesday we went to one when you were in cincinnati yeah yeah it's like hey man big uh big communal disease bar (laughs) that salad bar is so scary in in covid times Uh uh-huh now that that's poison yeah Yeah. anyway uh so i forget oh unlimited blood there we go uh figuring out how to get that uh we're talking about different nodes yes uh and uh the the most breakable thing the thing that i love here is the bonfire node uh did did this unlock for you where it becomes a push your luck thing that you can break (laughs) yep uh it's a so you there are uh just kind of small folk there are people hanging around by a bonfire you can warm one of your critters by the bonfire and give it a stat boost uh, and then you can um, continue to uh, let them get further and further stat boost, but the chance that the the uh, people will run in and eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that they uh, did this in the Casey's mod is they just give it a fifty percent chance mm-hmm. that they'll eat it. Like you can only push your luck once, but in the actual game, you can push your luck multiple times. You can also poison them. Yep. Uh, so they can't. You they, they can't happen anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you give them like a ringworm. Yeah. Well, th- there's multiple they, ways to do it. So either you, uh, yeah. you you draft a ringworm and then just power it up until they eat it, which will cause them to die, or just any of the poison ones. Uh, that, mm-hmm. like they have the poison sigil. If they eat it, then they're gone and they don't show up again for the rest of the act. So whenever you stop, you just get five extra power ups each time you get to a bonfire. Yep, which is ridiculous, yeah. ridiculously powerful. Again, the game wants you to break it, but it's it's a really clever little like oh like yeah they can eat poison, <laughs> you know, really really neat. Yeah, 
uh, good stuff. There are a couple other ones too. They get introduced a little bit later. Uh, there are mycologists, yeah, um, who will smash two copies of an individual card uh, together. Um, there are fur trappers and uh, salesmen, so there are people who will sell you uh, furs. And then uh, this, these are basically dead weights you have in your deck. They can block, but they can't be sacrificed, mm-hmm. um, which you can then later trade for for cards. And depending on the quality of the fur, you can get uh, better cards. Mm-hmm. Um, from these, and then uh, there are also totems. Yeah. Um, the enemy can have these, and you can have them. Um, basically, the the way that these work is you choose a special quality, which is a sigil, and then a classification of beast that will have that sigil. Yes. Um, another one hundred and one way of breaking the game to break out of this act is to give your squirrels. Uh, Basically anything. Yep. <laughs> um, they remove this from Casey's mod, but making your squirrels invincible means you can sacrifice them over and over, mm-hmm. which means unlimited blood salad and breadsticks. <laughs> Bone sticks, please. Yep. So uh, this is good. Uh, just uh, like, the, you know, they, they, you get the squirrel head for the totems just by solving one of the meta puzzles. It's like this mm-hmm. little sliding puzzle thing uh, over there, but that is uh, uh, just an incredibly powerful thing that you can do. And uh, you might not yeah. think it initially, you know, if you're unfamiliar with, you know, how powerful it can be just to have something with a particular ability whenever you want, you can just draw it. Uh, it's a big yeah. deal. The, uh, the, there are also nodes where the, uh, your adversary will have a totem in play. Yes. And the, there's no special advantage to taking these. They're just harder. Yeah. Uh, um, oftentimes there's like a bigger reward behind those. Like there will be something on the path that you couldn't get to unless you went through that. Sometimes I, I found that that felt like that was pretty laid out randomly. Like sometimes hmm. there would just be something behind it that was not very. Yeah. Maybe I've just seen a pattern where there was one. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So when um, uh, when he introduces totems, uh, when your opponent introduces those, the stoat asks like, hey, you know, can't you see he's completely insane? He's just ignoring the rules to draw this out. He just wants to make us suffer, which isn't technically true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but it does feel like him having those totems is cheating, yeah. you know, and then you end up cheating to win. Um, eventually, when you die, this is when he says, to, like, get up and, and grab a candlestick from the, the table next to the door. And this is might be your first impulse to get up and walk around the cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very cool moment where I realized I could do that. Uh, yeah. You move around in a grid at, at like like Grimrock, mm-hmm. basically, um, here. And you you grab that candle uh, and you light it, and these are your lives. Yeah. So you have uh, during boss battles, you have one life. He blows out one of your your candles in advance, but otherwise you can die on the way to the boss once. Mm-hmm. It's like actually a very generous uh, roguelike deck builder. It is. Yeah. And when you beat a boss, uh, both of them are lit again. So when you go to the new map, yeah. it'll be uh, it'll be fresh. It's nice. Yep. Uh, uh, <laughs> another kind of loop that is going to encourage you to break the game is uh, you will die. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to die. Uh, they eventually just like summon a bunch of bears at you, uh, <laughs> yep. you know, so you die because they want you to see this. Mm-hmm. Um, he pulls you into this little side room there. There's this little like closet and takes a picture of you um, with his magical camera that turns you into a card. Yeah. Uh, and you have uh, some dominion over what you name this card and how you assign its cost, its stats and its sigil. And you can make just an absolutely killer card. Yeah. So something like with this one... Costs one blood and is a six, six yeah. flyer. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. This is so kind, 
you know, like mm-hmm. it, like did death powers you up in this, you know, it has all of the video game semiotics of like, yes, you're being punished, et cetera, et cetera. No, you're not really losing much of anything. And it you're puts gaining. you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're losing a little bit of progress. You're being set back further on the map, but that doesn't really matter. Yeah, you have to start the map over, but it's a roguelike. That, that mm-hmm. doesn't matter at all. And the idea is this is d- helping you spiral out of Act 1. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and we learn that this is a magical camera. Um, he makes things into cards by taking pictures of them. Yes. He's got a super camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so after your first true death, you start getting alerted to some of the, uh, some of the, um, oh gosh, room escape stuff going on. This does is, Hey, a previous player wrote a code in the rule book. There's a little rule book that explains, uh, what all the sigils do, or at least the sigils mm-hmm. that you found. Um, and you look in there, it's a safe combination. Uh, this will open up a safe by the door, uh, which contains another card, another card that speaks to you. Uh, it's a polite old lady who's a stink bug. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, she asks if P and then stops herself. P, I mean, the stoat is still alive. She's like checking on her friends. Right. And says, okay, good. We need to get the stunted wolf so we can end this madness. Yeah. They're gathering a, a fellowship. Yeah. Uh, the way these work, uh, in relation to the card game is that once they're unlocked in you know the cabin th- you can find them in the card game mm-hmm. you know there's there's a possibility of grabbing them yes um you do some other kind of escape room stuff um there's a puzzle panel here um you solve, solve these puzzles based around these kind of sigils uh in order to get uh access to the skink ants uh the caged wolf and the squirrel totem uh these are all things that um you know, allow uh, these breaks, right? Yeah. Ant cards, when you play them, you add an ant card to your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, the squirrel totem we mentioned, you yeah. can make your squirrels uh, live forever. Yeah. Uh, the, sk- the skink uh, moves after its turn and leaves a tail behind it, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, like a little space filler uh, kind of deal. Um, you can sacrifice the tail for blood as well. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And then the cage wolf, like we said, it gets rid of the cage around the uh, the wolf figurine which uh will unlock uh, you can use another mechanism to unlock a knife uh it's a special knife being held by uh, by a squirrel over there uh we'll talk about this later uh it comes into more play uh, in the second kind of act in the second uh chapter here not the second act mm-hmm. yeah yeah um so you're you're do also checking out these other secrets in the cavern uh, there's a clover painting which allows you to re-roll your awards um, you can blow out these candles, which uh, will make the bosses give you a puff of smoke mm-hmm. when you start a, a boss uh, fight, which is a, a good card, a chump blocker, and you can sacrifice it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also get some free money yeah. uh, to spend on pelts uh, from shaking the skull that's <laughs> nearby. It's got little gold teeth in it. Um, yeah. But yeah, this will give you more than you need uh, to get through to the first boss. Um, I love the way yes. the bosses are handled in this. You know, you never see the uh, you never see the DM's uh, face, you know, until the end of this chapter. Uh, but during um, uh, like vendor encounters or during bosses, he will pull out a wooden mask, and then like the surroundings around him will change. Uh, this yeah. first boss, he puts on a prospector mask and puts on the gold, <laughs> gold yeah. kind of voice. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like pros- scary prospectors. Yeah, like the like those you know. like exist in yeah. their in their onesies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and or their uh, like pajama with the bottom the butt flap. Oh yeah, yeah. you know, 
Uh, he, so this is your first boss fight. There are three bosses, or uh, four bosses, including your adversary. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are three bosses. Um, his, uh, they all have multiple phases because video games <laughs> nowadays. Uh, the way this works is uh, first phase, he brings out this little pack mule that uh, has high health and moves um, just to, to kind of, will block for him. But if you can kill it, uh, it opens up into a big pack of cards, <laughs> uh, which is great. And then, uh, once you kill him, uh, he goes into phase two, which he takes his ax and he kills all of your cards that are on the table, mm-hmm. turning them to gold nuggets. Uh, you cannot sacrifice gold nuggets and they have a little bit of defense. And then he brings out tough monsters. Yeah. Um, so you need to, uh, the goal is to get the mule. So you have good cards to play once he kills your first round of cards Mm -hmm. and then, uh, wait for him to destroy the gold nuggets. So you have place to play your, your newly found good creatures. Yeah. Or try to, if you, if you know what's coming, like if you failed in the second phase the first time, you can make it so you don't have, you know, more than two cards out there. So you can start playing stuff immediately. Uh, while his enemies start, you know, hopefully attacking some of the uh, some of the gold nuggets there Uh, and also like hope that, you know, make it so he doesn't kill any of your strong cards. Right. Knowing that knowing the trick helps you uh, plan around it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pretty, pretty simple boss. Uh, He's also I don't know if this unlocks once you fight him or if this is always there, but you can encounter him on the map as well. Yep. (laughs) Uh, And he gives you a guess like you you choose between three gold nuggets Mm -hmm. and uh, get a, a good pelt or a good card. Yeah. Um, in the Casey's mod, you do these biomes randomly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm secretly, uh, encasing a Casey's mod. Waff that, into no, this no, waff that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, so you do the, the biomes, uh, randomly. So you fight the bosses in different orders. They actually escalate pretty well, mm-hmm. uh, here, even though I, I do think that the, uh, the angler is probably the hardest one. To meet. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, after you do this, you get your life back and you go to the second map, which is the wetlands. Right. Um, and this is where we're introduced to a new kind of cost. Uh, things can cost bones uh, as well. Uh, you get kind of a new kind of unit. Um, uh, you know, these generally like scavengers that you see here. These will ultimately enact to kind of be converted over and turned into uh, like stuff that has bone costs will explicitly be undead. Right. Uh, yeah. You get bone tokens whenever any one of your creatures dies, either by combat or by sacrifice. Uh, which means that, uh, you know, bone creatures can be deplor- deployed more quickly. You know, you don't have to intentionally sacrifice it to power something else here. Um, however, you know, the most powerful ones do end up costing a lot of bones, meaning you've got to yeah. churn through, you know, possibly a very limited uh, supply of, uh, of creatures in order to get to the in order to get the ability to uh, to fire off something truly breaking. Yeah, uh, these are great. You want to have a bone creature. Mm-hmm. in your deck just so you have something to play yeah. that doesn't take a sacrifice and you're going to be sacrificing and gaining bones regardless yes might as well uh, use them so these are these are very cool yeah um the wetlands uh, are really frustrating because they really start throwing the uh the underwater creatures at you uh the mm-hmm. ones that can go under uh means they can they really can't be killed um uh, except under certain circumstances and uh boy those kingfishers uh yeah. did i hate those goddamn things so much they fly and go underwater, which mm-hmm. means that they'll fly past your defenders to hit you. And then during your turn, they duck underwater. You can hit your opponent, mm-hmm. but you can't kill them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're, they can be a real problem yeah. uh, there. Um, this night, when we unlocked the knife from walking around the cabin, it is an item we can use. I love that they don't tell you what it does. <laughs> you, know, you just have it. Uh, so you use the knife just thinking like, I'm going to use a knife, you know? 
and the character and, just uh, picks it up and jams it into his eye. Yeah, I wasn't expecting <laughs> to do that. Never put knives in your eye. Put Always knives put knives in your eye. In your eye. <laughs> uh you you pop out your eyeball uh and for the rest of the the game like you'll you know that side of the screen will be dimmed you know mm-hmm. the 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 effect of it is really great uh the adversary will pull out this like cigar box full of eyes <laughs> he just keeps some spares you know yes yeah, some spares for you to planescape torment jam one in there <laughs> um there's one that's covered with sigils it's a magic eye and of course you're going to choose that one mm-hmm. it's glowing um, and doing that allows you to see uh magic sigils around the room mm-hmm. uh there. the primary one says find salvation in the cuckoo clock um we learn who mm-hmm. uh who, who wrote these uh, actually, it's going to be the person that we're going to find uh, who's, you know, mm-hmm. it is his eye and it's also his paint uh, that is used here. Uh, when you go and look at the cuckoo, cuckoo clock, you will see that uh, there are painted notches around the face. And when you line up the hands to match them, a compartment opens. Inside is our final talking card to the stunted wolf um, who, you know, notably only has one eye. And there's also a roll of film. He says, hey, you know, don't turn around. Don't look at him. Take me in. Take the uh, take the roll of film. He can't see that you have it. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, the stoat at this point gets a new appearance. Uh, he looks like robotic and his card is a little bit robotic. as foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says he, he's trapped in the body of a stoat that's on the paper of a card. Yeah. Like multiple ways. Uh, the wolf says like, hey, there's a way for you to reset everything. Um you know, I have the key that's going to help make that happen. Yes. Uh, here. Mm-hmm. Um, sometime around here, when you go to fill up on items, just when you get to one of those nodes, you'll get a bottle full of green goo. Um, there are eyes in it. <laughs> the adversary mm-hmm. says, hey, you know, when you go to pick it, that doesn't do anything. It's it's useless. Don't 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 take that. He's he's kind of right. Uh, but when you uh, when you use it, uh, it will uh, he'll pick it up and move it over by the door. Uh, it, it, there's a, there's a dude inside of it. It's, it, it's the, 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 like a failed experiment kind of guy. Uh, yeah. he's in tremendous, what, I think his name is Goober. Goober. Yeah. There we go. He's, he's goo. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, he's in tremendous pain, which I would be too if I was in a jar. Uh, and, uh, he, when he sees that you have the magic eye, he recognizes, oh, it's the master's eye. Can, you know, the great Magnificus see me. You know, we're getting all this foreshadowing. We're learning some names here. Yeah. Uh, in Casey's mod, they make him a node. Mm. Uh, he attempts to paint a copy of a card for you and does it imperfectly. <laughs> you can copy any of your cards, but he ends up messing something up. Yay. Uh, it, it's a good, uh, good power up. Um, the, uh, so he says, Hey, you know, we have that film roll. You can use that to, on the adversary's camera. If you can beat him, mm-hmm. um, you get to the end of the wetlands, uh, and we fight the second boss here, the angler, who is this big, creepy obsessed with fish fella mm-hmm. uh here and uh he's got a, i think his his gimmick is difficult yes um the first phase uh every other round he'll place his hook over uh the most recent uh card you put down to steal it um the trick here is that you need to put down something low value yeah like a squirrel or what have you but the economy of such of this game is that a lot of times you're not playing multiple cards per round. Right. You know, uh, especially, you know, and you, you want to be right. Yeah. Like, but you can end up in situations like when I lost against this guy, it was because I was only playing one thing per round. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be able to play two things per round yeah. so he can grab a decoy. Yeah. He, um, he, he does. He doesn't just, uh, um, you know, take it off the board. He will take it and pull it over to his side. Yeah. He steals it. Yeah. And so it starts, yeah. uh, starts fighting you. 
uh, which, you know, if he ends up with your uh, with your kill shot, with your win strategy, well, that's uh, that's no good for you. Yeah. Uh, in the second phase, uh, he lays out a, a row of chum buckets. Uh, <laughs> if you destroy a chum bucket, um, a great white is summoned in that position, uh, which is very tough. Um, so you either want to avoid the chum buckets or uh, just do one and then kill the great white and just come in through that. Yeah. Thing. And he'll deploy more more chum buckets mm-hmm. uh, as you go. Yeah. So uh, uh, pretty <laughs> difficult boss, I think. What you don't want to do is accidentally kill all of the chum buckets at once and then get bodied. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and just just immediately die. Yeah. Uh, the great whites, are, I think, are like four two swimmers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really, really rough. And you you can get uh, through them. There's a one of the disposable items you have, consumables, is scissors. So you can just cut a card in half. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there can also, there's one that like an hourglass that makes your opponent skip his turn. Yeah. Like there are powerful ways around this, but you just kind of have to make sure you have them. It, yeah. It's real limited the there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but you take them out and this will take you to the third biome, at least in the, uh, in the fixed version of the game, which is the snow line. Uh, the map is mm-hmm. icy themed and really the only big difference here is the presence of harder enemy cards. You know, you're starting to run up against grizzlies and such. So the boss of this area is the trapper, uh, here. Uh, or traitor. It's the same mask. He kind of flips it back and forth upside down, mm-hmm. uh, like that optical illusion of whether it's an old lady or a young lady mm-hmm. uh, here. Um, the first phase, this this is really easy, yep. I think. <laughs> yeah. um, it's real weird. Uh, you know, it doesn't doesn't present as a, a challenge, really. He lays out these traps. Um, when you kill the trap, uh, it will kill your card and turn it into a pelt uh, in your hand. Um, you don't want to lose powerful cards of this, uh, and pelts are usually just dead weights, but you want to have some pelts because mm-hmm. during the second phase, he lets you trade pelts for his creatures. He lays out eight creatures that are very powerful, uh, like in rule breaking ways, they end up having sigils they don't usually have mm-hmm. and you can trade one to one. So as long as you have a decent number of pelts, uh, you can pick up really, really advantageous cards. Yeah. So you want to, you know, kind of like sacrifice, you want to play just a little sloppy, in the first round, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, kill, like, like kill, killing these traps, you might uh, instinctually avoid them because they're going to take cards off your board. It's going to give you an advantage in the second round. So it's yeah. you know not 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 really that terrible. This is a nice breather before you get to yeah. uh, the, the 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 final battle of this act, which is a big combination of all the uh, all the stuff we've seen so far. It uh, it does a cool thing where it's encouraging you to have a different kind of deck than usually you'd want. Mm hmm. You know, this rewards having a deck with some garbage in it. Yeah. Uh, in it, And if you've made like a really lean, mean deck with one win condition, this can really fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after you beat him, you go to the, the fourth map, which is just very simple. It's a, it's a power up on your way to, to the emboss uh, here. Uh, you navigate it in first person, walking up this lane to the cabin and uh, up in, as this hand kind of drops this big cave entrance in front of you. Um, it's like, you have the perspective of your piece. Yes. Uh, it's very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the escape entrance is, uh, a series of those, uh, like a uh, guessing game, uh, kind of things. They are challenges. And if you, if you succeed at them, you'll get a boon. Uh, and these are incredibly powerful. Um, you, yes. and you can also, uh, <laughs> uh, around this point, uh, there's a mark on the table. You can, uh, it's like, it says 11 o'clock or whatever. You can go to the, you can go to the clock and, um, uh, use, uh, and, and enter 11, you know, move it to 11 and get a challenge ring, uh, 
which you can then use to pass the uh, to pass the challenge of the ring year just to get a free boon. Uh, or you can just have a ring, ringworm card and it'll take that. Yeah, it also looks counts as a ring. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but you get like you end up getting these boons, the most powerful of which, dear God, the magpie's eye. Yeah, just, these are all very powerful. Uh huh. You know, uh, and you can get two of them. Yes. Like, again, the game really wants you to to win. Mm hmm. Uh, and break out of this act. Um, the magpie allows you, instead of drawing a card, you pick a card from your deck. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one that I like to get, I try to get that, and then the one that lets you do two cards. Yeah, the ambidextrous one. Um, yeah. yeah. And then it, it just basically, if you have a strong enough deck, mm -hmm. you can win. Uh, the first time I fought the moon, I did not win because I just ran out of cards. Yeah. Uh, but then I was able to, to beat the moon the second time. <laughs> I, I keep saying the moon, that's not going to make any sense because we haven't gotten to that part yet. Um, <laughs> You get inside the cabin, and we see the adversary finally. Um, this old man who's kind of an ant, he has these tree features growing out of him, like sticks and leaves and such. Um, his name is Leshy, and he is a Leshy. Yeah. Uh, which uh, is, is a mythological an creature. Yeah, Eastern European, uh, uh, basically like plant demon, like a spirit of the woods uh, kind of thing. Yes. You fight them in The Witcher 3. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we enter into this three phase boss fight. Like he actually takes out a, he takes out another candle to add to his candelabra, which is fun. Um, and, uh, for the first phase, like the, the, this is the one that I found the most difficult. Uh, he will swap between, uh, the gimmicks of the three bosses every other turn, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so it's really hard to figure out what to account for. I don't, I, I couldn't discern if there was a pattern to it, like what to expect, but, uh, any one of them is enough when you are, uh, strategizing around it. But when it's all of them intermittently, then, uh, it throws you into chaos. Yeah. You just want to have a broken duck. Yeah. You want to have like a mantis God with two, one, so <laughs> right. you just win in one hit. Right. Um, the second phase is real fun, mm -hmm. uh, cause he throws out, uh, death cards, yeah. um, your old death cards that you've made. I think this also include this, or I know this also includes death cards of people on your steam list. Mm -hmm. Like I fought Will's death card <laughs> during one of this. Nice. Um, there are also default ones that come with it to give the illusion. Mm -hmm. And there's also one named Casey, mm -hmm. uh, which is a name that will become important. Yes. I understand. Um, she has a mod that is very good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, worked on the, the game within the game. Uh, the third phase, like he looks around, he's like, look at that moon. That's not really helping me. <laughs> who owns that moon? And then, who owns that moon? Uh, and does a portal uh -huh. thing. He takes a picture of it, giving him a moon card. Yep. A moon card that uh, takes up all eight of his slots. <laughs> yep. Uh, it has 40 health. It attacks uh, all of your cards at once. Mm -hmm. Um and he doesn't summon anything else. This ends up becoming this battle of attrition. Yeah. Uh, you need to drain down this 40 health while you have enough cards to last. Yes. <laughs> uh, last it. Yeah. Which, um, uh, which may not work. Uh, one thing that is especially powerful here is the Mantis God, uh, which, yes. you know, there are some that do a split attack. Like they will attack the two cards diagonal from it. The Mantis God will do, will do three. So it'll attack the two that are diagonal, but then also the one straight up the middle. Yeah. Mantis God is great. Yeah. Um, you know, you want to power it. Like that is a win condition, mm -hmm. uh, like S rank card. Yeah. This. Um, so you had to eventually beat the moon. Um, once you beat him, uh, the screen kind of backs up looking like a screen. Uh, this was a camcorder view of this whole thing. And, uh, the person who's holding the camera is like, Oh, I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't believe I did this. And the camera kind of swings and the video cuts off. Yeah. And, uh, and that is the, the end of act one. Right. So now we're looking at the interface for the camcorder. 
uh, Camworks camcorder, and there are eight videos that we can watch. And this is where we start seeing the story of Luke Carter, a.k.a. the Lucky Carter. Uh, the first one is just him opening up booster packs of uh, of trading cards, you know, just a random mm-hmm. game that they made up. But then the, the the second one, that's you know the second episode. It's uh, it's his vintage day. He went out to a garage sale and he found a pack of old inscription cards. You, know, you may not remember these, but you know the art was super cool, etc. Um, uh, they only made one set, then they just kind of discontinued it, stopped it. Uh, and he starts opening them up, but one of the packs has been opened up already. And the foil card uh, has coordinates written on it. Like he looks at it and notices like, oh, that's that. that I think that's nearby. Uh, the, like there are yes. actual coordinates given there. It is the, it is the ocean off the coast of British Columbia. <laughs> Same. Yeah, this was that was the, my first disillusionment in like doing the, the freeze frame. Uh huh. Thinking that I was going to have to do ARG shit yep. in the game. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, come on. I, I went uh, to the physical map that is hung up on my wall to see. <laughs> yeah. It's sucker. And if and if, if it had been used, you would have gotten a portion of a story about Hitler's lost supernatural gold or something. <laughs> uh, he goes out to those coordinates uh, nearby. Um, and it, they're doing a lot of horror fake outs. Yes. Here. Uh, they're really playing on that the Marble Hornets. Like I, I haven't seen Marble Hornets acknowledged as an influence for this, but I'd be very surprised if it wasn't. Yeah. Um, seems like something got him, but he just ran out of battery. Yeah. Uh, he comes back the next day, digs up in that space, and finds a floppy disk uh, marked inscription. Um, he has to buy a USB floppy drive because, of course, he does. Mm-hmm. And he boots it up, and we get the audio from the beginning of the game. Like, let's see what's on this thing. Yeah. Uh, and then he drags the continue card to the activation point, and that's where the video ends, kind of where the game began for us. Um, so ooh, we're dumped back into the cabin, um, and the Leshy has put uh, a plate of something in front of us. It's real. Yeah, it's an uh, RE7 food. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say it's real baker's kind of thing. Um, and there's a candle in it, like it's a celebration. He wants you to dig in and and, and eat some of his goop. Um, but uh, uh, n- n- no dice there. When you don't, he's like, all right, well, I'm going to have to kill you. Uh, he takes you back to the little death room there, but his uh, camera is sitting on the table. You can grab it, pop the film roll into it, and then snap his photo, which captures him and turns him into a card. You have a beaten Leshy. Yep, allowing allow you to escape. Uh, this little side room, this is the first time you can look around in it. Um, and there are tons of bodies, you know, the implication that he's done this to a lot of people, there are clothes and coffins, and there's just a little bit of light, which is the new game card. Mm -hmm. Um, you pick this up and you, then you have to restart the game, uh, and choose new game. Yes. There. Um, this, this, uh, you know, cool little bit of playing with the box Mm -hmm. again, not, not the coolest thing in the world, but pretty neat. Uh, and they show something called old underscore data, which Mm -hmm. will end up being important. Uh, it's Satan. Um, (laughs) And, I'm a demon. Uh, they show just a flash of that. Yeah, yeah. But as we as we start up a new game, like the game that we were playing is deleted, and then the original uh, inscription is restored. The original inscription made back in the '90s, this 16-bit looking PC game. And we get like a full opening cutscene describing the 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 world and its mythology around the cards and the scribes and such. Thank you. 
I, I laughed at this so much. The world and no cards. Didn't know about cards until the scribes showed up. Um, the scribes, there are four of them. They look like the talking cards that we found, and they each have their own way of making uh, cards. And this will kind of roughly describe what their uh, what their boss fights are going to be like. So the scribe of the dead is Grimora. Uh, she was our stink bug. Uh, she uses her squill, or her squill, her qu- her quill to inscribe uh, the epitaphs of the dead to make new cards. Yeah, she's the necro scribe. Yeah, uh, we already met Leshy, who uses a wildlife camera, captures mm-hmm. beast. Po three, uh, who is our stoat, mm-hmm. uses a particle scanner, uh, so like a three D printer kind of thing to copy mm-hmm. the CPUs of robots. And Magnificus, who we've heard of before, uses a brush to paint. Uh, his wizard pupils. Yes. And uh, the uh, the story of this game, you know, the scribes made the cards, but then a challenger appears to replace one of the scribes. And this is our character. Right. Uh, we're dropped in the world and we choose a starting deck. Mm-hmm. Um, this is huge. <laughs> uh, what, what you're, what you're choosing here. And what I think is actually, like, I think is a fairly big game design failure of this game is that you are only familiar with one and a half of these modes. Yeah. Uh, you know how uh, blood sacrifices work and you know how bones work, mm-hmm. um, you know, to a degree. Uh, Leshy's deck works just like Act 1. It's mm-hmm. Beast and they, they work for sacrifices. Grimora's deck is the the undead deck, which uses bones. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some wrinkles on this, but you more or less get it. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, the idea, they have a, a keyword here, which is like fragile, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, which are, they, they attack once and then die and then become bones. You can add more. You want to have like a big deck full of undead mm-hmm. churn through a lot. Yeah. Um, the other two though are, I mean, the next most intuitive one, PO3, the mm-hmm. robot deck, uh, this is energy. So this is hearthstones or plants versus zombies heroes rule. Yeah. Um, you know, the energy just goes up linearly for each player. You, know, you have one energy on the first round, two for the second, etc. Um, which means, uh, you know, you just play it, it kind of a way of like systematizing something that happens naturally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, powerful cards only come uh, out later. You can, you can only play weak cards at the start to kind of like prepare the field. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then they also introduce this idea of circuits. Um, so in conduits, you can have cards, uh, their positioning matters where they can power each other up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the one I chose first and ended up having to restart um, because <laughs> I find it really counterintuitive is Magnificus's deck. Uh, which you place Moxin, uh, these magical crystals, uh-huh. that count as crystals and take up a space in a lane, and they allow you to play creatures uh, up to that limit. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you have a green Moxin, you can play any creature that requires a green Moxin. It's never going to require more than one. Yeah. It's just that's the classification you can take. Uh, there are three colors, though, and you only have four slots yeah. uh, that you can do. So you get, uh, like, in a in a magic way you get mana hose constantly <laughs> with this deck yeah. uh and the the cards are not uh more powerful to make up for this nope i found um you know you end up fucking around with these in act three and i i end up trying to do a deck a magnificus yeah. deck after i've got most of the cards in act two mm-hmm. um i just find it really difficult to use yeah this was the uh, least intuitive for me uh just man real estate is so valuable in this 
you know, and there are yeah. a, there are units that will just straight up die if there is not a matching mox on the on the table with it. So like, you know, if the wrong thing gets attacked, then boom, everything is out. There are ways that mox can be powered up, uh, you know, by a particular mages, like they'll get more defense or they'll get attack or something. But it is never as good as, you know, being able to build a strong field with bones or with, you know, with with sacrifices. Yeah. It's just it's creatures a, are not interdependent. Yeah. It's real limited. You know? Um, you know, and just like anything with one of these, I, I'm positive that because this is the least intuitive, like, oh, you just have to mix this with X, Y, Z, and then suddenly it breaks wide open. Like this is, you know, this is actually the secret to everything. I just didn't feel it. Yeah. I'm certain there is a way to break it. Yeah. You know, this, this is not us planting our, our line in the sand saying that that's impossible. Mm-hmm. It's just not, uh, it wasn't fun for me to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so this is not a, uh, a roguelike, um, you lose, you can try again immediately. You have a starting deck and you gain card packs. Uh, this is the Pokemon trading card game. You are building a, building a deck, mm-hmm. um, using a little menu, uh, you know, which you, you can use to just, you know, put things together. You start off, you basically have to have, um, two colors in your deck. Like even if you start out as, um, you know, one of the decks, it won't be a pure, uh, Grimora deck. Like right. you'll probably have some uh, critters in there, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Or uh, you can always splash in uh, robots mm-hmm. because they're, the energy will always go up. Yes. So you can splash in some low value robots and stuff. Yeah. So you can yeah. mix and match and, you know, something that I think may scratch an itch for some people, but ends up being a little bit unsatisfying is you can redo every, you, you can redo every battle and you have perfect control over what is in your deck you know uh you can always go and buy more cards uh you know with your overkill points or your currency you can buy new packs uh from the themed areas you know buy a themed pack uh based on one of these scribes or buy particular powerful cards uh specifically they cost a little bit more money uh but you can go and get them uh that's neat but ultimately because you have so much control and because you can do everything over and over again uh, succeeding at some of these fights feels a little bit like a puzzle with a very specific answer uh, to, yeah. a, to, to a certain degree. Um, you know, just like, oh, yes, the strategy, the strategy for this would be X or Y or just get incredibly, um, get incredibly lucky. Uh, additionally, yeah. this, th- this, you know, whole act gets rid of that side draw that you have, which is kind of a bummer because I liked that. The side draw being getting up and wandering around. Oh no no! no. I mean the the the, the, the side the oh, side your, your yeah side the, yeah your side deck. There we go. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it it's also a thing. Um, then this is like a a magic issue too. Is when you get new decks. Um, like I didn't buy a lot of cards in this because to branch out into another color of my deck, I would need more like whatever the resources. Mm-hmm. And buying those always felt bad. Yeah. Um. You know, I think that the the way the, the base unit of things that are used for um. You know, just uh, just to get uh, like the bone digging dogs, yeah. you know, or the uh, the moxen or what have you should be free squirrels. Yeah. You know, should just be free mm-hmm. uh, in this for you just to take and build a deck. Um, it, it it doesn't totally work. It's not like pulling teeth or anything <laughs> like the uh, first this act. Like the <laughs> first the, act has pulling yeah, teeth. Yeah. It's just not as fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to me, there are little secrets in this, too, that I also think are not. Like the puzzles are not as fun. Yeah. It's more uh, explicitly adventure gamey, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
so you start off, uh, you know, you have this overworld and you're kind of gated. Um, you start off in the woods in the, in Leshy's, uh, zone here. Um, you go, you talk to Leshy, he says you have to fight his subordinates. Um, you know, you have to take pictures in the woods and fight his subordinates. Yeah. Uh, so you do these little kind of adventure game links awakening puzzles, mm-hmm. um, for the prospector, the angler and the, uh, trapper. Yes. Uh, and then fight them. You know, they're not fully living into their gimmicks, but uh, they do play particular cards that are uh, that are specific to their themes. That's another weird thing about this. The the battles are finite as well. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which is very strange. There's a there's except the, for one the train fight that dummy. you can do unlimited. Yeah, the yeah. train dummy, which you can do over and over in order to break this uh, right. get unlimited currency if you want. Yeah, do the uh, do the Uroboros. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, there's, uh, there's some little secrets as well. Uh, there's a secret path, uh, near the angler's zone, which will take you to this room with a green candle and this low res photo of a woman's face. Uh, this mm-hmm. is Casey. Yep. Um, that's kind of glitching. Uh, and you can go and find the wood carving woman, the woman who sold you the totems or gave you the totems in the, the main game. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, I wonder what my, uh, my gameplay purpose is. Totems aren't used in this mode. Yeah. Uh, here. <laughs> this this Very weirdly funny. was one of the first hints that Leshy was kind of a good guy. He gave her a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. So you you fight all the subordinates and you get into the cabin to fight Leshy. Um and these are, you know, this is this is kind of an echo. Uh all these battles are gonna be a little bit different. Uh phase one, pretty normal, but he snaps pictures of the first three cards to die. Uh, and then he makes a death card out of it. Uh, you know, this mm-hmm. is done in a particular order. Uh, so if you're redoing this, you can, you know, make sure that you, that you game it to be in your favor. Uh, and then he gives you a full hand of these things and you have to use it to fight off a full field of grizzlies. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, once you get through this, once you beat him, uh, P03 comes in, um, and says, you want to see Leshy's face when he lost, you know, I'm never going to be your pet again. This is the stoat. Uh, and he's beating to break bad. This is your hint. Yes, he is. He he is bitter. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Once you, uh, the scribe is defeated, their headstone lights up on the central island. Um, You had to defeat uh, a scribe to get over to the robo zone Mm -hmm. and stuff. Uh, The natural next place to go is the crypt. Yes. Um, Where uh, Grimora will not let you into her chamber uh, to fight her unless you place uh, these placards correctly on gravestones and do this little adventure game uh, Mm -hmm. puzzle. Going around doing fights uh, to get uh, different uh, aspects of these tombstones. So a name, uh, cause of death, and date of death. Yes. You know, so like obviously the person who is always chattering was killed by ice. You know, the guy who talks like a pirate probably got scurvy, etc. Yeah. The one who who the defibrillator didn't work had to be born in a time when the defibrillator was invented. Yes. You know, uh, kind of clever. But again, the, the possibility spaces were limited. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, uh, you know. There are nine possible combinations for any individual tombstone. Right. Uh, so it's it's not uh, not too much. Mm-hmm. Um, when you uh, fight Grimora, um, she plays really high attack enemies um, and marks down the name of your cards once they die. Um, and in the second round, you get them back as zombies. Yeah. Um, which uh, have zero attack and one health. They are bad versions of them. Mm-hmm. So you know, effectively taking them out of your out of your deck. Uh, it's kind of like mm-hmm. not having them at all. Um, which is okay. And like, they were gone anyway. I, I don't quite understand the, like the trick of her gimmick. It's just kind of a harder than normal fight. 
Yeah. yeah. I you can bypass these things too. Like if you just have the right luck, you basically just get you don't even really I didn't didn't see this. Yeah. Like I don't know if I just didn't lose any units mm-hmm. in the first time, but it just kind of felt like a, a fight. Yeah. And then it was over. Yeah. So um after she goes down or after your second lord uh, goes down you are taken to the camcorder menu again and you look through another set of uh, another set of videos uh so we're back in the fmv uh territory uh we see luke uh <laughs> videotaping himself sending an email to the company again like speaking mm-hmm. out loud his dictation uh to um the, the the company that published inscription the card game saying like hey i think one of my fans may have pranked me and buried this copy of you know like a, a game near my house um i can't find any trace of this you know existing i want to know if this is a this is a hoax like what's going on yeah uh he's getting spooked yeah uh they send him a response saying like, Hey, that game doesn't exist, but if it, you have any of our intellectual property, send it back with a shipping label. You have to. Yes. Um, this, this is where the, the lady character comes in, uh, who knocks on his door. Um, he set up the camera to answer it, uh, to talk to her. And this is where she, uh, pressures him for the floppy disk. I don't, you know, the material was not there, but this is the, like this actress is too young mm-hmm. and too amateur to sell right this, uh, this uh, menace yeah at all this felt very community theater in a way that was like additive like you know very subtractive to me yeah i just could... additively subtractive i'm <laughs> fucking losing it man I, <laughs> games criticism is a disease cure <laughs> <laughs> is god's wrath to die. <laughs> one day arian's gonna I come additively subtractive <laughs> Oh my god. I, I I can see a little bit of the rationale for this like oh they're they they're probably we'll we'll send a, a like a like a honey trap, you know, kind of kind of thing like oh he will be, you know, just a young guy maybe he will be more um malleable if we send a young uh, a young lady right to kind of flatter him. She doesn't have the the semiotics of foxiness though. Yeah. Like she she's like a men in black. Yes. So you know, she wears a, sunglasses and has a dist- detached affect. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just one of those things, um, you know, like he, he tries to pretend like, oh, you got the wrong Luke Carter, but she recognizes him from his videos. You know, they've, they've done, they've done all the research. They know he's the right person. They know he has this property they deny exists. But, uh, you know, and at, at one point, you know, it just comes out like, oh, that gate to get into my property was locked. How did you get how did you get through here? And then she you know, yeah. quickly leaves. Yeah, she gives him a business card. We don't find out her name when she says that the tape glitches out, which mm-hmm. again, Marble Hornets. Yeah. Uh, kind of stuff. Um, the last video is him trying to just make a normal card video, but he can't. He's too distracted and upset. Like this whole thing's really getting to him. Yes. Um, we go back uh, to this. Um, when we get to the basement of the crypt, uh, we can make an offering. Uh, if we can make an obol uh, to get an audience of the Bone Lord. The Bone Lord showed up in the first act as well. Um, is just kind of a rare node where mm. you can sacrifice something to him to uh, start with bones. Mm. Uh, if you get that, um, and if you sacrifice the sacrificial goat, you start with like like eight bones, I think. Holy shit, which is really good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is a win condition as well because the uh, vulture, the turkey vulture, which is a three three flyer for eight bones, mm. you can play on the first turn. Nice. Yeah, then you win. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, he's here to, to to make that oval. Like there are two cards that are like halves of the half of halves of this obelisk kind of thing. And you put them together, mm-hmm. and he'll he'll bring you down. And he's a big you know uh, skeleton kind of guy, real real scary. And he's within a larger skeleton, which is implied to be Hitler's skeleton. <sighs> yeah. Uh, 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 but he says, you know, I worship and study the old data. And if you worship me, if you pledge your life to me, you know, uh, I will reveal the secrets to you later on. Here's a key to my lair. When you come back, uh, there's no yes. downside to saying yes. In fact, there's only an upside. You get this key, but you also get a, uh, his femur, which will let you trade one energy for three bones. It's like a little icon you can yeah. click. Which is nice. Um, I did, I got this first part of this, uh, puzzle. I didn't find the second piece because I didn't find the entrance. Gotcha. Like the diagonal you have to go in the next act. Mm-hmm. I, I missed that. Uh, just read about it later. Yeah. Um, you can also get into the mycologist hut mm-hmm. uh, here. And uh, the mycologist is, is a two-headed doctor uh, kind of creature. Mm-hmm. And it wants copies. In the first act, it jams uh, two copies together. Here, it's asking for specific duplicates. You have to get specific duplicates of certain cards in order to get a special key. Yeah. Uh, here well this is the uh, secret room i did not find actually yeah the mycologist uh, boss fight in the third act that's what i was thinking of yeah that's the one yeah um he starts talking about a code but his smaller head says hey you're not supposed to talk about that like there is kind of this uh this you know voldemort kind of thing going on with uh with something about this game so um each so you 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 head over to the magic tower this is this is kind of another place you can you can go to um i did this one last actually uh just because it ended up being the most difficult one for me uh the boss here mm-hmm. um but you go over to the tower this is where magnificus uh paints his cards and uh teaches his students very sadistically um uh every floor of this tower has a door that is locked uh, you open it by entering a combination onto this pillar which will uh, take you into a uh, will take you into kind of a uh, pocket dimension where one of his uh, students is being tormented. Uh, so like this is where the the the, the gooey uh, failure uh, is uh, Gubert or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. The second one is to not head. the graphic user interface failure. <laughs> yeah. That remains fine. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. the there, <laughs> there's there's a head on a spike. I'm not sure what the test is there. And the third one is this really hyper wizard who uh, is in sensory deprivation. These are the people that you fight, and they will unlock the door to the next uh, to the next area. Yeah. Uh, and there's just little little puzzles here mm-hmm. to do it. Uh, the the training dummy is here as well, which again you can uh, fight over and over and over. Yeah. Um. You know, in and not do the puzzle, so you can always overkill it to get money. Yeah. Um. I love getting the sensory deprivation student in the third act. <laughs> he's so good. Uh, that's that's very cute. <laughs> he's just excited. He's just, he's just so so hungry for stimulus. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, there's some secrets here. Like there is a uh, dark path over in the corner of the first floor, which takes you to a, a, a shadowy room with an orange candle. There's a flickering image of some kind of like certificate awarded by the Department of Defense to this middle-aged man named Harry Williamson. I, I have no idea what this adds up to. I'm sure that there's a Reddit thread about it. It's the it's the game company within the game uh, working with the Department of Defense. Gotcha, gotcha. For Hitler reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, okay like like, it it is the the dumbest arg that's ever been it (laughs) it is as stupid a plot as we've had for an arg and and again i'm sure somebody out there listening like loved it and thought it was super cool Mm -hmm. i it's always it's not like a godwin it's kind of a godwin thing but like an opposite version of it Mm -hmm. where like hitler is not only you know nazism isn't just bad as an argument it also just immediately becomes boring 
little bit. You know, because it's so extreme. It's like the the furthest you can take yeah. evil, like real life evil. It feels like like stealing the opposite of valor. <laughs> you know, stealing squalor or whatever it's, it's, to <laughs> to to lend heaviness to your your creepy pasta. Yeah, it's weird. I don't mm-hmm. I don't care for it. Yeah, doesn't it, did not land for me. Mm-hmm. Um. There's a letter on the magician's desk uh, where you can see the magician is writing to Grimora about how P03's plan extends beyond just a mere power grab. He has this great transcendence he wants to do, which will be a disaster for everyone. Um, we're getting these hints that the stoat is actually the villain mm-hmm. uh, here. Um, and then you fight uh, Magnificus, uh, who is difficult. Uh, he has a paintbrush that will randomly change your card's sigils when played. Yeah. Um, so you don't really design a deck. You kind of have to just luck out. Right. Uh, I hated yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, this, is, this is a bummer. I put so much effort into putting together a deck that would work, and then just the, the oops, you know, it's like, ah, dang it, I spilled all of my sigils, and they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah not a, yeah. N- not good for me. Uh, the second round is, you know, a little bit better. Uh, just that's when he starts changing his own sigils to be a little, you know, random but more powerful. But he can accidentally screw himself, you know, by giving uh, giving stuff that doesn't work together very well. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, when you, when you kill him, uh, you know, he, he warns you, uh, you know, among the scribes, so the one will be most, uh, dangerous, um, even worse than, than Leshy. Yeah. You know, it will be, be more dangerous. Uh, there's one among them and this is yeah. BO3. Yeah. It, it, it cuts um, out before he can say it, but it's pretty clear. That's what that note was about. Yeah. Uh, then you go to the factory PO3's zone. He's making robots in the front room. Um, he says, your next no, your deck is no good. Um, you know, go improve uh, the output of my factory by talking to my robot slaves. Yeah. Uh, here deeper in the factory. Um, again, just kind of doing little puzzle. Yeah. Um, none of which are, I think really great shakes. Yeah. Just fi- um, figuring out how these circuit these things work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, doing, doing circuit board stuff. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, um, all, all of his subordinates are kind of weird. Like, there's an inspector who's you know shrugs off his responsibility, uh, a smelter who jumps into the machine when he finds out that his output is bad, and then the dredger is just kind of a creepy angler type, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you get back to him, and the final uh, the the fight against PO3 here. Yeah, I, I like this. This is this is a fun gimmick to me. Uh, the conveyor belt. <laughs> you, you're fighting in a factory seg- segment, um, and the cards will move clockwise. So you're left, you know, between turns, your leftmost card will um, roll up and become his leftmost card, uh, and his rightmost card will roll down and become your rightmost card, and it will cycle through that way. Yeah, roll down, roll down, and become your leftmost card. Yeah, his right. Uh, I find this kind of thing annoying. Hmm. Uh, I I've decided. I think that conveyor belts are secretly one of the more annoying things to me in a video game. Okay. I was thinking about uh, when they start introducing this kind of stuff in, say, like, Baba is You. Okay. And everything. It just, I don't like thinking about it. Hmm. <laughs> uh, it's adding steps that I don't that I don't want to consider. I just kind of played powerful cards and, and beat this. Mm-hmm. I didn't, was I never took advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, and never really took into account. I played stuff on the left so he wouldn't get them right away. Mm-hmm. And that was basically it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, it ends up working against him in the second round or can work against him because he copies your most powerful card uh, and mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, puts it on his side of the table. But it will uh, uh, roll around to you and you get multiple copies of it. So you just have to survive uh, until uh, yeah. until it rolls to you. 
Yeah. It's a, it says a lot uh, when I think about act two of this game, how I ended up not really having to think about strategy as much as I wanted to. That's the thing. For all these fights. I just kind of overpowered them or lucked through them. Mm -hmm. Like it did not feel like I was finding cool and powerful synergies the same way I did in act one and three. Yeah. Uh, something else, and this is just a real kind of uh, pissant quality of life thing, you know, uh, but I really wish that there were deck slots. You know, you're never yeah. you're never losing cards. Right. Uh, uh, but like I wanted a way to like say, here's my basic dead deck. Here's my basic, uh, you know, tech deck. Right. Uh, things like that. You know, those small skateboards. Um, but, uh, but, but no, you're, you just kind of have to make it from scratch every time. And that kind of dissuaded me from experimenting because, you know, I ended up like needing to write down what I, you know, the composition of the deck that I, that, that I had painstakingly designed before. So I could go back to it if the, yeah. if the experiment didn't work. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it doesn't work. Yeah. So, so. Um, there's a little finale. You get to go to that central island and choose which scribe you're going to replace. Uh, I also chose the scribe of the dead because I wanted to be a necromancer lord. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she mourns uh, that you're going to go through this other cycle. Uh, she says, you know, if she had ridden, she would have ended ended everything and ushered in an eternal peace. Right. Um, you know, everyone has kind of a a, a different outlook for what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Each of these uh, these scribes, yeah, um, that is hers. This this comes to the the four in the end game. Right. Um, you're about to fight her, but then Po three emerges and sends her away. Uh, this is his power grab. Yes, he is going to take the old data, ascend, and recreate the game in his image. But he has to get through you to do this. Uh, and you do a yes. final fight with him, uh, facing off against his uh, his deck. But also, he will have a glitch card. Uh, this, you know, it looks like Zalgo text and it will move to jump right in front of the most, uh, the most powerful card that you play, uh, negate its play. So, you know, like, yeah, you're not going to have your most powerful card, but it is not that hard to manipulate this. And this starts act three, which is kind of a act one again, where you are in a cabin, but you're in like a factory cabin. Yeah. You're looking down at one of those uh, awesome $3,000 gaming tables <laughs> um, that has a little hologram terrain in it. Um, this is Botopia. Uh, and there's cool stuff. Like we get to see PO3's face and he is a shittier, worse uh, DM. Yes. You know, he's like, oh, the land is ruled by uh, Uber bots. Yeah, you take them um, out. So we need to get to the great transcendence, which is a thing he actually wants to do. He's manipulating you this entire time, but which is which is very cool. Uh, but he like the the lore is not his is his concern here. He just he it's literally this would just be numbers. So he stands in contrast to Leshy, who was really interested in telling a story flavor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which are different ways that you can approach card games. Yes. You know, uh, when, when during Duckstream, when I was doing Monster Train, and someone was like, what do you think? You know, Will's like, what do you think of the lore of this game? And I'm like, I've never read a word. <laughs> uh, I, I, I started and immediately lost interest in mm-hmm. the story of these clans yeah. and their, their backstory and everything. Quite frankly, I and don't find the art appealing either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 This is entirely numbers to me. This is me playing a fun spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, you know, there are other things where I care more about flavor. Yeah. 
you know, but it, it's, it's like why I can play Slay the Spire. That game's mm-hmm. got wretched flavor. Yeah. Um, you know, it's ugly, but it, it's, uh, you know, it just as numbers, it works. He's representing kind of that attitude. I don't think this game has anything grand to say about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that it, it's, it's making a point. I think it's just the, the different kind of attitude yeah. are represented. It's, it, it, it's showing them in conflict and giving care, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the ways that they give like characterization um uh, to teach these characters is like the disdain that they have for why the other people's approaches don't work yeah uh initially you can't get up from this table eventually you'll be able to Mm -hmm. um here and it's a lot like act one except it's more exploratory um you move from screen to screen like little isaac rooms basically Mm -hmm. uh that will sometimes have nodes in them um like we had in the first one like little things you could do sometimes have battles uh, and it has Dark Souls mechanics. Yeah. Um, you have checkpoints um, where you'll respawn. Your consumables uh, respawn. Mm-hmm. Enemies and, respawn uh, too. When you, enemies respawn when you do that um, up to a certain point. Yeah. Like you can beat the boss and then enemies will not respond. Mm-hmm. And you have five lanes instead of four yeah. for the battle. Yeah. And this is that ends up being super important because of the way that the mechanics end up mixing. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, your starting deck is going to be all focused on robot cards. Uh, I kind of appreciated this because I didn't really fuck around with those too much in, uh, in yeah. act two. Uh, so, and, and this also is the one that makes, you know, the, you know, it, it makes a good amount of sense. Right. Uh, and when you go to the different areas, you start getting cards and facing, uh, facing off against, uh, the, you know, the other types. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like we said, robot cards are tied to energy costs. Um, and, uh, uh it, it's pretty neat as you unlock stuff. Another major mechanic, uh, as your run extends and as you keep on winning battles, uh, you'll get like a Grand Theft Auto warning star system on and bounty hunters will yes. come out. This is so good. <laughs> They're really funny. Uh, and you don't get too much for beating them or anything like that. No. It's just a, you know, it's like a, if you keep winning and you don't die, mm-hmm. you just have these little harder enemies that pop through. Yeah. Um, they're real cute. <laughs> they all have their own like, little dialogue. Like nothing in this is Wild West themed. Like, but just nope. the, here they are, partner. <laughs> yeah. There's some robot cowboys come at you like fucking Westworld and this shit. <laughs> uh, I really like it. Yeah. This is sweet. Yeah. Um, there's this act is long. Yeah, it's... Uh, it doesn't feel as long as Act Two, but it it is, mm-hmm. um, and it's all pretty consistently fun yeah. uh, to me. But at this point, there's not a whole lot more to say because it's a minor variation on the card game we've been playing the entire time. Yes, you know, uh, Dark Souls already had roguelike elements; mm-hmm. like those two things are cousins. Yeah, you know, uh, so it it doesn't end up feeling like a sea change, right? Like Act Two does. Yeah, so we're kind of going to motor through this and get to the bosses because that's where like the real cool uh, you know, mechanical and story content is. But understand that you're making runs um, at these uh, at these different places. Uh, I liked the uh, I liked rebuilding my momentum on this mm-hmm. uh, as I as, as I went on, uh, you know, starting with basically nothing. And then, you know, the, the way that it, the ways that it gives you to customize your deck feel like a really good um, uh, kind of compromise between act one and yeah. act two to me. Yeah, I think so too. And, it, and it's legitimately a lot more fun than act two. To yes. me. Uh, so just, uh, just more satisfying in a general sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of, you, you scoot around, um, <laughs> you, know, you get to, you, you get to your first checkpoint, your first waypoint. Uh, there's a shop nearby. Um, you can teleport between waypoints. Mm-hmm. You have the uh, Lord vessel. Um, and everything, uh, to go spend, uh, spend money 
and go to the shop. Um, one minor uh, nitpick that I have is that the icons of things you're buying, you don't know what they are. Yeah. Uh, before you get them. So mm-hmm. they're not immediately recognizable and they're expensive. Like you can end up spending a lot of money yeah. uh, on something that's not that great. Yes. And money is pretty much equal to time uh, until you figure out how to unlock your Ouroboros and get uh, and get full, um, uh, yes. you know, get, get a ton of money. I've been, I've been referring to the Ouroboros. This is a particularly broken card uh, that you can buy and get a hold of. Uh, it gets better every time it dies. Um, and mm-hmm. it will always, um, uh, it'll make a copy of itself in your, uh, in your hand. Um, so, uh, you just basically, you can use the training dummy to have it die over and over again, or, you know, break it over and over again, basically do like the equivalent of a sacrifice to give it just the ability to do hundreds of damage if you want to. Yeah. Um, that's ridiculous. That's yeah. Yeah. The, in uh, Kisi's mod, they balance it out. So it does that, but doesn't maintain throughout uh, different runs. Yeah. That's good. Like you can get in the beginning and kill it a few times to make it beefy, but it doesn't stay beefy the next time you play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I I, I can't see how they would leave it untouched. Yeah, has to be has to be that way. Um, when we're moving through the bridge to the west is out here. Um, the same bridge repair for NPC from Act Two is there. It says, "Hey, beat a boss, and then we'll finish it." This is like lampshading. Like it'll take me about as much time as a boss. You know, the yeah, same way in yeah. video games, people have broken bridges. Mm-hmm. Uh, you reach the second uh, waypoint, and the board that you're playing on powers down. You need new batteries, so PO3 unlocks your cuff and lets you walk around the factory. Yeah, looking for a battery, and there it kind of mirrors Leshy's cabin. Yeah, um, there are uh, little escape room kind of puzzly things you can do in here mm-hmm. in order to unlock new cards and power the the board game the same way you could in the first act. Yeah, yeah. So you can use the cuckoo clock and mess around with it. Uh, get your Ouroboros back. Uh, a couple of things there. They're like tile puzzles that will get you another item. The Mrs. Bomb, which I never really fucked around with. What what does Mrs. Bomb do? I don't remember. I think it drops bombs on empty on empty slots. Oh no no, no. yeah yeah. It, it's a yeah. Thank you. It's it's a board clear. Yes. Um. Every every empty space on the board gets filled with a bomb, yeah. and bombs blow up uh, the things that are decent to them. <clears throat> so it's Wrath of God in magic terms. Yeah. Basically. Um. I didn't understand. How did you pronounce a bomb? Bomb. What? I'm, I'm, I was teeing you up for a Daisy Dutton thing. It's a meme. Oh, Gary. oh shit! Yeah, no. I here's <laughs> here's a little peek behind the curtains. Uh, I had to take a break and do some life changing bathroom stuff at some point uh, <laughs> during this recording, and I'm still kind of reeling from it. <laughs> yuck! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super yuck, man. I'm just out of it. Like I was feeling pretty alert, uh-huh. and now I want to go to sleep. Um, <laughs> so sorry, everybody. Uh, you bathroom. Yeah, a little slow on the uptake here. I'm a little distracted. Oh. So, yeah. so anyway, uh, I could, I yeah. probably could have been more clear. Uh, no, you're, you're fine. I, I, I'll totally take the L on that one. I should be picking up <laughs> DSX references. I'm just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not right. my best. <laughs> uh, the, the puzzles that you do to like raise the bridge, like to power things up here, uh, they're all like captcha kind of things, basically not puzzles. They're just little like task entry kind of things. Like, yeah. yeah. There, there are puzzles in the first act that we forgot to mention that also show up here where they are uh, hypothetical situations on a game board. Yeah. Where you have to move things in position to win. Um, you can win these through trial and error, but they're a cool little test of understanding. Yeah. This introduces the circuitry mm-hmm. uh, mechanic into that test of understanding. Yes. Um, but again, you don't really need to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can. You can be more powerful if you do get it, but you don't have to. Yeah. You kind of power through. Yeah. 
So you get the battery, uh, you go into the northeast section of the map, and this is like the swamp. It's the wetlands, um, and it is the only part of Botopia that still has life. And of course, this makes PO3 disgusted by it. Yeah. Uh, uh, these are going to correspond to the different scribes, the yes. different areas you go to. Yeah. Um, we enter uh, a kind of gimmick match you can find here, which are these bomb diffusing ones, mm-hmm. um, where you have to do a certain amount of damage before a round counter hits zero. Mm-hmm. I hear these little DPS checks yeah. uh, to beat these. Um, I never failed one of these, so I don't know what happened. Yeah. Uh, if you do. Um, and while you're doing this, PO3 talks shit about uh, Leshy, being like, yeah, he had sloppy plays. He cared too much about the flavor. Yeah. You know, perfect strategy is all that matters in a card game. Again, I like them differentiating the, these different personalities. I don't feel like this game has very much to say around this theme. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the boss of this region is, is uh, it's, it's, it's Leshy, but it's the photographer. Um, you know, the robot kind of version of his, uh, of his little tool. Um, and at the beginning of the beginning of each round, you get the option to, uh, snap a picture of the board. Uh, this will act kind of like save states. You can always, you know, when you get this prompt, um, revert to the last screenshot that you saved, um, which yes. will, you know, it'll keep the overall damage, but you can set yourself up, um, to, you know, just kind of like reset to when you were going to do game breaking damage and end this relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. And there's a really cool thing after you beat every boss in this, uh, this act, uh, PO3 modifies your, um, your empty vessel cards, your, uh, your squirrels basically Mm -hmm. to give them something. Um, you can either make them get giant leaps so they can block flyers, uh, Mm -hmm. spine. So when things attack them, they get hurt or nano armor so they can take an extra hit. Yeah. Um, it's real cool the way that this, uh, is making your, your nonsense cards powerful Mm -hmm. as you beat bosses. That's a really cool mechanic. Yeah. Uh, nano armor basically breaks this chapter on these guys. Yeah. Uh, uh just, uh, really, really versatile jump blockers. So, uh, when you leave the cabin, uh, the camcorders memory card fills up and this will dump us back to the, uh, uh the video dump. I think this is the last one before we get to the ending, uh, showing mm-hmm. kind of like how things have deteriorated for Luke. Um, uh, yeah. the first one is showing him like right after he got the pack of cards from the garage sale. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. saying like, oh, wow, you know, to see that I, I don't know if this old lady knew, you know, what she was giving away. Yeah. I feel kind of bad. Everything but... came with a free Froger. It was really sus. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Sodium benzoate. Yeah. <laughs> That's bad. Free, free inscription cards. That's good. <laughs> uh, but they carry a carrot terrible curse. That's bad. <laughs> um, so that one's uh, in, in, in the past. But the next one is uh, after Luke found the floppy disk as he's doing this research. He calls the woman uh, the who ran the garage sale, and uh, her name is Mrs. Hobbs, and um, they belonged to her deceased daughter, Casey. Uh, she worked for the game publisher, this company named Game Funa, um, uh, which is also like that was introduced in the Hex, um, and she uh, she passed away. Um, and, you know, we're going to find out it was uh, it was in an accident, quote unquote. She 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 was killed. Uh, but, yes. um, you know, Luke is about to ask, like, hey, do you have any contacts at Game Funa that I could, you know, talk to? She abruptly ends the call. Yep. Uh, the uh, So she's he's looking into it further. Uh, he finds out that Casey was a QA tester there. Um, a number of employees died in an office fire there. Very suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, another video, he's silently reading these articles, and there are post-it notes on the screen, uh, which you can then, you know, grab. Of mm-hmm. course, uh, here for the ARG um, here. 
And uh, the, these videos are interspersed with like glitchy ones yeah. where they sometimes will have an ARG clue, but are just static mm-hmm. and stuff for Slenderman reasons. Yeah. Um, the next video he's in bed. Um, he hears somebody moving around his house and he's very worried. He's being like stalked. Yeah. Uh, he goes to open the door to confront who it is and it cuts to black. Mm-hmm. Um, dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Uh, we'll find out what that is. Yeah. Uh, there's some garbage text about a mycologist uh, in uh, one of the freeze frame bonuses. And the last video uh, has Luke uh, sitting on his set, sitting in front of the green screen, uh, kind of messing with an ornate antique scale and laughing eerily. Like it's a really percussive kind of laugh. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the, and the scale looks like uh, the one from the cabin. Yeah. Yeah. So you get this idea that like things from the game are becoming real. Mm hmm. You know, or what have you. Uh, in fact, the Sittler skeleton stuff. Not first. Um, yeah. Uh, so in the game, uh, you go to the graveyard or scrapyard. This is Grimora's zone. Um, you can use this key that you got back from the Bone Lord uh, to open this locked door. Uh, and PO3 is confused by this. And we meet the Bone Lord. He says, I'll tell you what I know about the old data. But he asks that it not be recorded. Uh, so you get a period of black silence. And then... Uh, what the fuck, man? Like you, you do not like knowing about this evil Satan sentient computer yeah. data. Yeah. Stuff. And even PO3 is like, oh, that's messed up. I don't I yeah. didn't care for that. Um yeah. so we can go to the well room, which is where we're gonna need gonna need to go. Uh we pull up a uh the the, the bucket from the well and we get a quill. Uh we can take this to uh Grimora's headquarters here. And uh, some uh, some dudes here, her librarians, uh, ask you to use the quill to sign the agreement. Uh, the agreement mm-hmm. being uh, to grant the archivist, the boss here, uh, the ability to uh, access your hard drive. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the uh, so and this starts off. This is a cute meta thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you fight this uh, this archivist. Um, you know the archivist will tell you like a specific file and let you dig around files on your computer. So you'd be like, I want something that's big. Mm-hmm. You know, give me a big file. Uh, as a professional podcaster, I have all kinds of gigantic, oh yeah, you know, audio files on my desk. No problem. Uh, then uh, the second phase, uh, like, what's something a file that's become dear to you? So you have to find your oldest uh, file. Mm-hmm. Um, she says that if uh, the file, you know, if you die, she'll delete the file mm-hmm. uh, on your computer. This doesn't actually happen. Yeah. Um, here. Uh, this is, you know, something that the games love to fuck around with again. Yeah. Uh, your mileage may vary how impressed you are with this kind of stuff, but yep. here it's just a lie. Um, I thought it was cute to see my file pop up, <laughs> yep. you know, and it but, turns into a card. It's, it's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cute's the word I use for it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but this isn't a, this is not a, like a, like a real challenge. You know, you're just doing damage based off of the, uh, uh, based off of the uh, criteria for the search that you're doing. So it's kind of like a little yeah. psychomantis kind of thing. Um, yeah. uh, around here is where you can do the bonus boss fight. Uh, you could, could all of the movement that you've been doing is on the cardinal directions. Uh, however, on one screen near the scrapyard, there's a diagonal arrow uh, going to the southeast, uh, and this will take you to the mycologist's hut. Uh, when yeah. you go inside, uh, PO3 is there and he's about to start a battle, uh, but the mycologist kind of hacks him in. Uh, we see FMV. I think that this is Darren Mullins uh, acting mm. as both of these guys. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's taken control of PO3 and he, uh, you know, throws down all this fungus, fungus themed stuff on the table and we fight him. Yeah. Uh, this is the thing I missed. I missed this entrance. 
okay. to this. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the mycologist boss fight. Yeah. Uh, so it's not terribly difficult. Um, the board is modified so that, uh, at least I believe it's only on his side. Um, every card that he plays will filter towards the center. Um, and when cards hit the center, they will, uh, fuse. So if you let this go on for too many rounds, um, you, you end up fighting against an incredibly powerful card, um, uh, on his, on his side. However, um, at the end of the match on your side, all of yours form together and it creates a mycobot card. Uh, out, out of like all of their stats so like the best of them so beating this is super important well, not important because you can get overpowered stuff anyway but this is a way to get like you know uh, a massively powerful card with like four sigils on it if you uh if you want yeah. to yeah yeah nice mm-hmm. um, um, and, and when you get yeah. it there's like an a, there's an arg clue like the name is initially uh a big string of uh numbers um, you know, and the mycologist says, oh, that must be a part of the old data. And it's like, shh, shut up. Yeah. 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 Wouldn't want you to know about the Hitler skeleton. No, no. Um, the, uh, the Southwest corner of the map is the wizards is a uh, magnificus's zone. Um, we can't make our way there. Uh, PO3 sends us further into his factory into the smelting zone to find, uh, find the place or find the piece, the missing piece here. Yes. Um, you do uh, these captures uh, here, um, you know, and it's it's all pretty easy again. Yeah, uh, little tiny uh, tasks. Yeah, here, um, and you also do little, uh, you know, theoretical board state. Yes. Bits, yeah. Um, it, with extra attack symbols to kind of complicate things. Yeah. Um, the piece that you're going to get is uh, 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 it's an add-on for the energy meter. Um, this is an indicator for gem pieces. So since you're headed down to the wizard area, you're going to start uh, encountering moxes uh, and stuff like that. So this keeps track of which uh, which gem effects are in play. Um, and now your empty vessels end up having gems inside of them. So again, it's adding it is adding functionality to your little fodder cards. Uh, so these yeah. will power up uh, special wizard bots that you might find. Yeah. Uh, there's a store here that has an expensive item. Uh, mm-hmm. If you buy it, it tells you the time four o'clock, uh, which you can put in the cuckoo clock to get your Ouroboros back. Mm-hmm. Um, as you fight to the top of the, the wizard power, uh, wizard tower, mm-hmm. um, at the top, you fight the painter. Um, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. I think this is, this is really slick. Uh, he has you design a rule uh, here. You do an A part of a rule and a B, like an if then statement. Mm-hmm for a rule uh, each round. So like when I play a card, I sacrifice a card mm-hmm. or when my opponent attacks, uh, I gain a bone, you know, mm-hmm. I gain energy, things like that. Yeah. Um, you try to find the one that's most advantageous to you mm-hmm. uh, here, but you're the, this is not challenging. Like we're kind of out of the challenge zone. Yeah. It's just having fun with the box and having fun with the kind of things that are possible here. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm a fan. It's a, it, it is, it is a good round. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you head up to the Northwest and this is where the factory is. So you're uh, going to the digital factory while you're sitting in the, in the quote unquote real factory uh, while Luke is sitting in his living room or whatever. Um, and this is pretty large. You're going to be going around here to align satellites, uh, kind of trying to establish this uplink to get up to the top of it. 
Um, and as you're doing this, uh, PO3 is kind of like bitter saying like, oh, you think it's easy designing these things, you know, well, here, why don't you use this little interface to design, you know, to, to, to you sacrifice one of your cards, it'll be shredded up, and then you can uh, use those uh, points from the sacrifice to, you know, make a new one and define it. Uh, and yeah. you know, this, again, he has an ulterior motive for this, but that's kind of, you know, ends up being a little bit of what this, uh, this boss fight is because you get to the top PO three is not going to fight you, uh, himself. He will have a surrogate named golly, uh, who's just this nice, <laughs> this nice, innocent lady, uh, who is filled with wonder at connecting to the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the concept here is this will, uh, pull the monster cards that your friends designed, Mm-hmm. from your steam list and you you will send cards to them um you want to send good cards you want to make a good card mm-hmm. you don't want to sabotage uh people uh, and it's really easy to make broken stuff yeah uh little little hint if you ever get to this part uh something that uh isn't like will respawn mm-hmm. flies and uh dies after attacking once mm-hmm. will win you any fight yep uh in this and you can make that pretty easily yeah. you can give it a bunch of downsides Mm-hmm. That won't come up to gain points. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a good thing. This is annoying, but who cares? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's also cute. The, uh, the, the, uh, the enemies, you know, they've got their own stats and stuff, but their names and uh, portraits are going to be pulled from your Steam friends list. Yeah, it's cute. Once you do this, uh, you beat this. Um, you uh, leave this factory to go to the, co- the the tombstones to commence with this great transcendence. And P03 gets a notification. Uh, the security cameras in the dredging room are acting up. He wants you to go check on them. Uh, when you do there, we can talk to the trapper uh, on the side uh, in the little side room who will give you pelts in exchange for uh, or you give him pelts in exchange mm-hmm. for these uh, story hints yeah. about the ARG and the meta story. Yeah. Former terror guards. Yeah. Terror it's guards. all very cryptic. Go down to the dredging room uh, and uh, you turn around and you see these detailed models of the three scribes. You know, <laughs> this is the idea here is this is like an area his security cameras can't see, mm-hmm. you know, so they're hiding out here. Yes. Um, and they basically lay it out for you. Yeah. They say, hey, PO3 needs to be stopped. Um, we put aside our differences. You know, you need to go keep him busy by playing the game so the leshy can strike. Um, you know, make him feel, make him feel joy so that I may snuff it out. Um, and also yes. they really neg his game. They talk about it having hacking mechanics. Oh yeah. God. Uh, all their disdain for each other. Yeah. Uh, you get back, um, you know, you go to that central Island and he's talking about, you know, Oh, like, remember how fun this was? This was really good. Uh, kind of doing this end game little rant a mm-hmm. bit. You get to the center and he addresses you. Uh, the player, uh, Luke directly. Yes. And, you know, so you naming the character you're playing, which you, you knew, but, mm-hmm. um, you said, uh, so you set up the great transcendence without knowing what it is. And his face turns, uh, turns into the view from Luke's webcam. Yeah. Uh, that he's seeing here. Yeah. And he kind of smacks us away. Like the, the real world or what have you is intruding and vice versa. Yes. Yeah. 
So these Uber bots that we went and fought, like they all had their own little gimmick, right? And it wasn't especially challenging, uh, but you were uh, finishing the tasks that were needed in order to get this unfinished game ready to publish. So like at the painter's place, you were helping, you know, finish design the rules of the game. Uh, You made screenshots for the Steam store at the photographer's place. Uh, and you gave yeah. P P O three hard drive access, so you know, so everything could be uh, could be uploaded. You know, he calls you a fool for doing this stuff. Give him internet access, yeah, so he could upload the game upon yeah. the Steam and everything. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to put thousands of copies of Inscription out, most of them being the version he's in charge. Like it, it is a, a sentient computer program that wants to propagate itself. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also because uh, Satan is at the heart of the code. This would be an effective satanic takeover. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so he's about to do this. He starts uploading the disc, and Leshy just walks up behind him, grabs the edge of his screen, rips his head off. <laughs> it's so creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's real good. Uh, a nice little, you know, uh, subversion or anticlimax, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the other scribes walk up and talk about their victory, you know, and they're like, "Hey, you, you know, you should start a new game so the cycle can begin again." Yeah. Uh, but has her own, uh, her own agenda here. Uh, she picks up the disc, uh, the disc access symbol that's here, navigates to the floppy drive and, uh, deletes the disc and like deletes the game that you are playing as you are playing it. And the others call her mad, which is, no, this is the only way to freedom. Like we can't keep going through these cycles with, you know, one of us taking over and, you know, smashing the other, at least that's what she says here. She also has another reason. Grimora is, is good. Yeah. Yeah. The idea, like, end the cycle. Yes. Or whatever. Don't let Satan take over, but also end the cycle. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things, like, the idea of this, like, playing in the game as it's being deleted as well, which is this very long, non-challenge-based mm-hmm. uh, kind of ending. Like, this is basically a long interactive cutscene. Mm-hmm. Are all little story touches and things that I think would have a lot of impact if I'd never seen them before. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, the idea of playing through a game as it's being deleted, um, you know, end the cycle versus continue the cycle mm-hmm. as a theme and stuff. There's a lot of just dead, dead ideas yeah. going on in here. I have the antibodies yeah. for these. It, that's a good way to put it. Like yeah. I'm just kind of immune to this stuff. So it's neat, mm-hmm. but it's, it's the bounding box on how neat it can be is, is tighter than I would want it to be. Yes. Uh, for this. Yeah. So things are glitching out around you. Um, uh, you fall through the world, like into the water, uh, that, uh, is kind of at the base of things and you end up in a dark tomb, um, in front of a headstone, you know, this is uh, blocking your way to Grimora. You pick up some grave, grave placards here and making the gravestone for inscription itself, uh, and then go in and talk to Grimora who looks real creepy. She says, Hey, you know, the purpose of the deletion, like, yes, this will be peaceful, but it isn't just about rest. There's something truly evil deep beneath the code of inscription. Um, uh, something at the bottom of the well, uh, she says, and as yeah. things are deleted, she, you know, she says like, why don't we pass the time by playing a game? And we see what her version of the game would have been. It's this little turn-based chess kind of thing where you're moving your figure around the board in a grid and the enemies move on their turns. Um, and you get into battles when you run into the enemy skeletons. Yeah. The neat, neat idea. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that there are all these different, uh, articulations of what uh the game could be mm-hmm. that uh, either go through or not um you know as you go through it and you get to the boss icon 
for this, she goes and puts on a pirate mask and all these cannons pop up. <laughs> like you're fight, you know, another one of these bosses, but it doesn't work. Everything gets deleted and falls apart. <laughs> she, uh, they, it, it's great. Yeah. Super there's, there's so much fanfare. And like, as soon as this, as soon as stuff appears, it just, bloop. Oh, I thought there was more time. Okay. Um, and she reaches yeah. out her hand for you to take it as, uh, as she is deleted and goes away. Yep. She's gone. Uh, you wake up in Leshy's cabin and he's just like, Hey, let's just have a game. Like, yep. I don't want to keep score. Let's just play for fun. Like I'm dying. Yep. You know, uh, you play with your old deck and he's like, you know, you did a really good job. Yeah. This is super yeah, sweet. He just, it's he, really, really sweet. He just yeah. wants to, he just wants to hang out. Like the, my, my, I love, I love this game. I loved that experience that we had. Let's just hang out and play. Like he doesn't get upset when the scale is deleted, you know, like there's no way for either of mm-hmm. us to win or lose. Let's just do a few rounds, you know, just into, until the end, just kind of like playing cards against each other. And he even says like, you know, I, I, I didn't realize what I did to the others was real, you know, was, was, was that bad? You know, I thought that there was dignity in being these creatures because I respect the, you know, the creatures, you know, so much. Right. Mm-hmm. And he just yeah. didn't realize that. It reminded me of an emotional beat, uh, from the middle of a squid game. Yeah. The yeah. Game. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, Hey, let's just, just play. Like I, you know, this is what, what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, very sweet. Yeah. Uh, everything gets deleted off the table though. Cause everything's falling apart. Mm-hmm. I reaches out his hand and says, uh, hey, don't don't look at the things that you're going to find on the disc. They're really trying to make me scared of this old Satan. <laughs> um, you wake up in a snowy field and you approach Magnificus, who says, like, eject the disc to spare me. Like, if you eject it, it'll stop being deleted and I'll be able to be here. Uh, and you enter into his version of the game, which is garbage. <laughs> I, hate, uh, I hate his version of the game, but I love its aesthetics so much. Well, it's, it's pretty it's, funny, like, as a thing. It's, it's an just Arcane Kids a bad thing. game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's a 3D version of this uh-huh. um, with like weird old PS1 computer <laughs> aesthetics. With the with with like the, the the perfect circle pan every once in a while as the action's playing yeah. out. Oh, it's so yeah. good. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, it is the worst version of this game. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's good that you can't lose it. <laughs> That's like, yeah. uh, well, and you know, it kind of reveals his his motivation here. He he just wants to live. Like he doesn't care about yeah. the game. He, like he just like he, he's begging you to you know break everything that's so that he won't be you know resigned. You know, he won't have to be resigned to this oblivion. You know, there's no scale, so he just sets up a a, a health counter at four hundred. You know, yeah. and you have to play this for yeah. a long time. Like you really end up hating this guy before everything uh you know gets uh taken away from you. Uh, it gets deleted. It's a dog shit game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at some point, uh, a canvas appears behind him and he paints this moon on it. You know, he's like, Hey, do you have any remorse for what you're doing? Um, you know, and again, like the, again, I, I don't know. Nope. Uh, you know, we'll talk about, we'll get to wrap up and stuff, but I yeah. don't, I don't feel like this game has any emotionality to, to sell no, no. to me at least. Mm-hmm. Um, it glitches out, you know, continues to glitch out, uh, is elements disappear until Magnificus is dragging himself along the ground with a skeletal arm mm. trying to shake your hand and he can't quite make it. He blips out before he can. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, you think, okay, is the game frozen? I'm just seeing kind of like a vaguely whitish screen here. Uh, and when you move, uh, you are your avatar from act two or the 16 bit avatar and you walk North and you walk North and then you reach a card. That is all that is left here. It is the old data. Yep. Um, yeah. 
So uh, when you touch that, uh, we get this, the screen glitches out. We get to see all this like censored redacted stuff on the screen. Uh, this is where you get to see, I think the, uh, the picture of Hitler's corpse. Maybe the, the, the first hint of that. Yeah. Um, and then the, it cuts the camcorder cuts to Luke smashing the disc with a hammer. So after he deleted it, he smashed it. Uh, we get a little coda on his, uh, story, um, him calling a newspaper and being like, listen, I have proof of, of malpractice from this game developer all this weird stuff's going on. And I felt like we were going to go through a hack need, like the reporter doesn't believe him. Mm-hmm. But before that happens, he goes to the knock on the door and the 22 year old assassin yeah. uh, from the earlier in the game shoots him. Yes. Which seems like a great way to draw attention uh, to what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, they, they put it as a, it was a fire before, mm-hmm. you know, now it's just a shooting. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, and that that like that's the end you know it ends on just uh the, the camcorder on the ground on his blood as it spreads across the floor it's a real anti-climax you know so what's going what, what you think is like they're here trying to cover up the death of casey and that is kind of it but what they're doing it's almost like an scp kind of thing i almost would have preferred if it was like an scp like this was an agency trying to keep the satan data from getting out as it stands, mm-hmm. a game publisher having their shit together so much that they have a a board of assassins going and looking looking for this <laughs> like it's the uh like it's the goddamn um uh half life prototype for Dreamcast, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's weird and like it it doesn't I, I, that does not work for me that a game publisher in fiction would be this powerful. That sucks. Well, you see, they're doing it because uh Satan and, and Hitler. Right, right. It's it's the Department of Defense that that is doing it. <laughs> I yeah, th- it ends up being like <sighs> inscription ends up being a lot less than the sum of its parts. Yeah, to me, which is a, a bad thing for a game to be. Yeah, like and it's also again something where like thinking about it makes it worse. So yes. even kind of talking about it and going through all this story stuff, a little bit with the com- the sentient computer programs representing the scribes. Uh, who are sad because their world is dying mm-hmm. and stuff. Like it is sad unless she's like, I just want to while out my last moments playing a card game for no score. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I'm not attached to any of these characters. Yeah. Like they're all well sketched and, and different, but none of them touched my heart. Luke never touched my heart. None of this story has an emotional core to it. Like it states the stakes a lot, but doesn't make you feel them. Yeah, yeah. You know, a, a lot of characters say, hey, you don't want to fuck with the old data. It's really bad news. Mm-hmm. But we're never, that's never illustrated yeah. to us. Like there are a lot of uh, kind of elements of this that are biffed in terms of narrative execution and the meta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and biffed like pretty hard. Yes. You know, it, it's one of those things where like I feel like it set its ambitions too high where it lands at cute Mm-hmm. Uh, for a lot of this stuff, but it wanted to land a lot higher, higher than that. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where like, there's enough about it. That's clever and works together really well that those notes that it hits where it ends up being dumb. It's like, no, I know you can be clever. 
<laughs> like, yeah. or you know um when you when you end up over at a uh like with with what ends up happening with casey okay so the 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 faint that i'm seeing here is that like okay the thing what i thought was going to happen and this is me holding the version of the game that i had in my head against the actual thing which isn't necessarily fair what i thought they were going toward was there was this woman who died but something about her remains alive here and is like using yes. the game to protect itself, right? Yeah, you know, like they're like this, uh, you know. So it's almost like a soma kind of thing. Like this ended up being like a backup for computer ghost reasons, right? Um, and that could have been emotional and had pathos. And as it stands, it's really sad what happened to Casey. But like nothing is paid off in a way that that, that you know that 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 hits me right. Instead, we get at uh, you know conspiracies involving history's greatest monsters and stuff, and like they just they they, they were they were on the road to somewhere cool, and they got distracted and then just pulled over into a ditch that I didn't like. It wasn't a good Even ditch. The, the way they were the thing they're on the road to wasn't good enough for me. Right. Yeah. Like I it, it's I already have too many antibodies against yes that if this had been Casey's personality in there, mm-hmm. um, it it has done. Uh, and I'm going to talk some sugar here in a moment. It sounds like really down on this. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was a complete failure to get me to care about the characters in this. Yeah. You know, which I didn't care about Casey. Yeah. Like and it's it's sad in a in abstract. In abstract yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's sad, sad because somebody it's... died and corporate malfeasance is sad. Uh-huh. I have a much uglier word for it. Misappropriation. <laughs> uh, it's also very sad. Yeah. But I, I, it's hard for me to think of a game that we played recently. I mean, this this happens a lot. But yes. that is banking on touching the heart. Yeah. And just not landing that at all. Yeah. You know? And the thing that sucks about it is that even in act two, which is my least favorite act, mm-hmm. uh, but especially in acts one and three, all the mechanical stuff is really cool. Yes. Um, the part where you start designing your own cards mm-hmm. to kind of like beat act three, you have this knowledge of the systems of the game Yep. to do that. It's immensely satisfying, mm-hmm. like as a test of mastery and, you know, it, it's a very simple uh, it's a series of simple card games kind of piled on top of each other, Yeah. but there's still joy in that mastery. And the, like, you know, 10 hours I put into Casey's mod, um, when I get these really broken combos and can win Casey's mod, mm-hmm. there's a joy in figuring that out. Yeah. It's purely mechanical. Yep. You know, there is no synthesis between the mechanical and narrative sides of it. Yeah. Uh, in the main game, when you're actually playing Inscription, there's synthesis between different mechanical points, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and there is presentation that is good in a vacuum. Like... The way that the escape room stuff, the way it influences the card table stuff is great. Yeah. And the mood of the first act is really cool in a vacuum. Yeah. Uh, but they do not talk to each other properly. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like a grander narrative or character work. Mm-hmm. So it ultimately ends up being, you know, there's an, there are an abundance of ideas here that are not, you know, necessarily married as well as I would I would like. Um, and it almost feels like he had like a really good, um, concept in that first act. And then there were like other ideas that were here. And instead of making those their own games or whatever, it's like, let's expand this. But none of those additional things really got a, got a chance to kind of, uh, to mature, 
right yeah and that i think is you know is 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 a is a bit of an issue the sugar that i have to talk is that i still recommend somebody plays this game and i think that you know i have no i'd be making an assumption about this but i think that a lot of people um this would be their first exposure to the daniel mullins trick right or you know they only encountered it you know vaguely somewhere else or this would be their first encounter with like a uh, a deck builder or a roguelike that really clicked with them for the reasons that mm-hmm. i mentioned at the start i don't i don't need to re- you know to repeat myself yeah. Ma- you know i think that a lot of the um a, a lot of the hype around this is probably from people who just weren't exposed uh, to that kind of thing before, which is not me saying like, oh, these people are unaware of, you know, this stuff. This is old to me and you know, I'm better because I yeah. knew about it. No, it's the gotta first start somewhere. Got to start. Got to start somewhere. And I, you know, there are so many ways in which this would be a great introduction uh, to those kinds of kinds of things. Not least of which because the presentation is so good. You know, and, you know, because it has ways to get its hooks in you and make you a tourist for these things that might otherwise be unappealing or difficult to get uh, in uh, in different, larger, more ambitious games. Right. At least mechanically. Right. So I think that makes an absolute great first impression uh, on on both of those counts. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think that like it's it's one of those weird things where like on close scrutiny, it's like. Yeah, this stuff doesn't hang together, but like it, you know, it kind of maybe didn't need to in order to succeed. And so I think that is something, you know, that that is accounting for at least some of the dissonance that we're finding here. Um, well, it's uh, it sells past the close. Yes, you know, it, it's it's you know that it's a different way of of that that adds on to what I was thinking about earlier with the it's kind of a crime of too much ambition. Yeah. For this, like if this had just kind of set out with a modest goal, mm-hmm. it would have landed better. Yeah. You know, you got to be careful playing that Hitler card. You really like, do. Once you got... something's related to the occult and Hitler skeleton of World War II, mm-hmm. you really got to back that up. Yeah. It's uh, you, know? you got to keep your Hitler power dry. Yeah. Like I, I very rarely, rarely deploy things Like there are select, select abject sufferings and select uh, bonfires of chats that I have secretly made about Hitler's corpse and the kind of power that it has from an occult perspective. Oh yeah. But I'm very careful when I deploy that. Yeah. No, it's, you know? it's, it's, it's a matter of taste more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. The dose makes the poison. <laughs> you know? uh, and it is also, I want to make a quick caveat too. We are aware that this is an ongoing concern and that people like there's still drips and drabs of this stuff that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Maybe Daniel Mullen surprises me. And once this full story is complete, mm-hmm. you know, all the updates to Casey's mod come out that have all the backstory. Maybe it hangs together. Yep. It doesn't feel possible from where I can see it now mm-hmm. for it for it to do that. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't have a complete picture. So I could totally be, uh, you know, I can only talk about what we have so far at the mm-hmm. time of recording. Uh, that will change. Yeah. We might get scholared. And I'd be, I'd welcome that, <laughs> you know, yeah, me too. this, this episode can exist as a document for where this game was at a point in time. And, um, you know, if, 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 if what we get in exchange for this being outdated is a cool game to play and more people having fun with a cool game and Daniel Mullins getting rewarded, you know, for that. Yeah. Getting <laughs> then, to make more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. More bites at the apple. Like, Sweet. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's still good. like. I, I like this more than I like Pony Island, not mm-hmm. as a gestalt, but I think this is fun to play. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Pony Island is fun to play. And I think 
the secret to a lot of the like, oh, you got to fuck with your INI file games is that they're not fun to play. Yeah. It feels kind of bad to take this game to task for placing, you know, the balance of the scale <laughs> uh, more on the gameplay side of things, because that I think is more important. I think that's, you know, what, what makes the game last, right? Yeah. Um, I could see replaying this in a way that I, I'm not going to replay. I'm scared. Yeah. You know, why would I? Mm-hmm. Like it's it just it, it's I I know the tricks yep. I know the magic trick this this has a fun game attached to it as well that's mm-hmm. really valuable yep it's just the dissonance that is worth underlining and the way that those things don't relate mm-hmm. so. it's, it's an admirable it's an admirable effort and the the you know it's, this is a rare specimen in a lot of ways for the way that it came together yeah. Um, yeah. you know and uh, I'm really happy that we got a chance to play it and talk about it because I think uh, you know. Y'all may unlock some thoughts about it. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. It's, it's good. Good conversation. I'm glad I played it. Uh, it's good. Game of the year. 2021 remains uh, monster train from 2020. So, <laughs> sorry to, sorry to, to lay it out like that, but that is the case. Um, you know, there's a DLC that came out. Um, thank you uh, again for sponsoring this. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate you. Uh, if you have thoughts about inscription, Hit us up by the 15th of March yeah. at duckfeed.tv slash contact. Mm-hmm. Um, you uh, can write in about Inscription or you can write in about any of March's games. Uh, those games being, uh, where's my calendar? Where's my calendar? Where's my calendar? Ultimate uh, NES Remix. <laughs> yes. King's Bounty or Until Dawn. Yep. Um, or if you have thoughts about April's games, uh, which uh, uh, you can write in uh, with uh, by, by April the 15th, uh, the Ides of April, as they say, wear them, wear them, man. Uh, those mm-hmm. games for April are um, The Shrouded Isle. Um, we are doing a special episode about Chuck E. Cheese. So if you have any uh, Chuck E. Cheese memories, go ahead and write in about those. I think those will be fun to, fun to read. Um, and, Include Showbiz Pizza. Yes, please. Um, yeah. And uh, Deathloop will be our premium episode. Um, our premium episode for this month is Until Dawn. You can back us on on Patreon and uh, uh, get um, access to all of those, to both of those, and uh, to all of the previous uh, premium episodes. I'm making changes on the back end to make stuff easier to get a hold of for you. Uh, look for announcements on that around the time that this episode comes out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you are interested in the old uh, Intel or uh, Elden Ring, Mm-hmm. hit us up at bonfireside chat we'll begin coverage with that very yeah. shortly yes we will so. mm-hmm. yeah otherwise ratings reviews and itunes and uh telling your friends and most of all coming back uh coming back next week would be good and uh what should they watch out for until next time uh watch out for hitler's satan <laughs> <laughs>